friend says caffeine's a drug. I said, oh, tell your friend. I don't want to be your buddy, but just want a little breakfast. Hello and welcome to Breakfast Punks, a podcast about weird shit, DIY punk and trashy movies, brought to you by Sham City Roasters and Deadbeat Donuts. From Hastings, I'm Dave. And I'm Siobhan, and this is episode 26, which is our Christmas potluck episode, and we're going to be reviewing the film Santa with Muscles from 1996. The Christmas party. The Christmas party! Whoop whoop! But first of all, (laughs) we're going to be starting off with a very appropriate band, because... Uh Uh-huh. <laughs> oh dear, we're gonna be them people. So uh, <laughs> this is a song by the band Christmas. Yay! Uh, they're from Germany. It's from their album Hot Nights in Saint Vandal, which came out on TNS last year. Uh, we've talked about Christmas on the podcast before because they played What's It Cool Fest. Yeah, and they've played Max Motherfucker's solo stuff. Yeah. But this album is fucking brilliant, yeah. and you should all check it out. And this song is called Go Hard or Go Home. Woo-hoo. Even though it's Christmas, How, sorry, we're Can, still just going to do some normal news stories are you gonna, for you. Is that coming out a lot this this podcast episode? <laughs> yeah, it took me ages just, to sample. I know, but the way that you're just like very casually pressing that button makes me feel like it's coming out a lot. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. I'll probably forget about it. <laughs> uh, so my first news story is uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> That one happened on his do own. Want, <laughs> do you want to rethink that? You might be pressing it, but I think you should. I think you should no, remove that. No, to be so honest, I think. Well, no, I think it's over because I think what's happened is it's moved on to the next it's Christmas. <laughs> so, so I don't think I'm actually able to do it again, That's even fine. though I planned it. I think. It. I think it can be out. I planned it. A I lot. think it can be out. <laughs> well, 
Did you hear about the bomb squad getting called after a man lodged a World War Two anti-tank round in his rectum? <laughs> no. The phrase in his bomb hole. Oh, <laughs> uh, we've been sorry. Drunk. That's a Snetterton joke for those from Norfolk. We've been drinking, ladies and gentlemen, and I think she was somewhat more drunk than I am. Nah. The phrase "shell shocked" took on a new meaning last week when a man in Gloucester <laughs> managed to lodge a two-inch wide. World War Two anti-tank shell inside his rectum. Why? The rectum's owner, who understandably chose to remain anonymous, told medical staff at Gloucestershire Royal Hospital that the 57mm round, part of his World War Two memorabilia collection, they just fancied became embedded inside his anus after he slipped and fell. Absolute bullshit. <laughs> oh, my God. But the best thing about this story Sorry, is the fact... I've fallen over many times. Nothing's ever up the bum. The best thing about this story is the fact that because it was a bomb of any sort, the explosive ordnance disposal squad had to be called. So this man, who's clearly a nerdy war man, mm-hmm. got a bomb in his bottom. Bomb in his bum. And not only did he just have to go to A&E and embarrassingly talk to a nurse and say, I've got this bomb in my bottom, can you take it out? The entire fucking bomb squad had to turn up at his house just in case it blew up. What, at the, no, sorry, at the hospital when they removed it? Because I'm imagining they're not allowed to Oh, sorry, to the it. hospital, not his house. Uh, yeah, you're right. It was to ensure that the munition was not in danger of detonating. So, like, imagine being in A&E and... Because I've got a friend who works in surgery and she removes things from people's bums all the time. And they have to, like, remove it and place it under the person's pillow, no questions asked, and give it back to them. Yeah. Unless, unless it's a rotting fruit, uh, which it often is. But I imagine, like, just thinking, yeah, just removing something from someone's bum as normal. And then it's an item where... Sorry, you're not allowed to touch that because the building might explode if you touch it that's fucking crazy yeah i mean i don't think it was going to be because it was a world war ii thing but i suppose it's just one of those things where you have to call the bomb squad if there's a bomb but i mean look we on breakfast (laughs) punks are very sex positive yeah you want to put a bomb in your bum go at it i'm not i mean or yeah if you enjoy things in your bottom then put things in your bottom but Maybe a World War Two bomb. I mean, it must have been a bit rusty. Also, own it. You didn't slip and fall. Well, yeah, that just, as well. Just, just own it. Just it's say, fine. I, but I, I mean, it is I, this story I found in Military Times. <laughs> which, <laughs> You're which, frequently reading Military Times. I'm not, but I suppose if you are someone who has a large World War Two memorabilia collection, mm-hmm. you're probably not someone who's comfortable with their own sexuality. Particularly True. if that involves anything other than the most vanilla lay-down sex. Oh, yeah, nothing imagine. in the bum. Nothing in the bum if you've been in the war. But it does seem... I don't know how... Again, fine if he wants to put things up his bum. I'm not questioning that. But I don't know how you can slip and fall and get a two-inch wide anti-tank shell. I love it. that he's sticking by it. I'm not going to put my name to this, and I am sticking by it that I slipped and fell on that thing. And well, where the Vaseline came from, I do not know. God bless him. <laughs> but I hope it... Yeah, I hope he... I hope it didn't go in dry. <laughs> oh, crusty, crusty bomb in the bum. <laughs> Sadly, it is an everyday occurrence in A&E, but I've never heard of the bomb squad being called out before, said one nurse. <laughs> also of note, anti-tank anal clogging, or ATAC, is a remarkably similar sensation, nutritionists say, to that experienced by service members who surpass two consecutive weeks of MRE consumption. I don't understand what that paragraph means. 
But that is what the Military Times has decided to finish this article with. Uh, sorry, and I like that that just also insinuates that this might be normal practice and we think it's strange, but this might just be going on. Why have they asked a knowledge? nutritionist? Because they pass, because you know, they study things that people pass. Oh. So maybe it's like, are you, you know, there's some poos that are a bit like a World War II bomb. This is nothing unusual, except I didn't understand a word of what they actually said. I would have called a nutritionist if the bomb had gone into the mouth. I didn't know it was a, a bottom thing. Oh, I don't know. What's that? There's a woman that encourages everyone to poo onto a little um, plate and you have a look at it. What's her name? There is she, a did she become famous <laughs> yeah. before? Is she a sort of yeah. relatively she, elderly Scottish woman she, that's really unwell? She wants everyone to have those toilets where you have a little uh, a, a shelf and you poo on it and you have a little look at your poo every day and you decide whether you're healthy. She Julian, became, someone McKeith, I don't know. She became really like famous yeah, for a while. She was yeah. like a sort of housewife's favourite type yeah. of human. And everyone's meant to look in their poo. And I have friends that definitely have told me that they look in their poo every day. Well, I don't, but check. I should probably. Well, if there was a bomb in it, then yeah, If there was a bomb should. in my poo, I'd be worried. I'd be very worried. Call the bomb squad out and they'd be like, that's fine. This happens every day. Did you well, slip and fall? You slipped and fell. <laughs> he must have slipped and fell. Wink, wink. Um, well, man is kicked off a flight for wearing women's underwear as a face mask. Uh, Adam Jen was ordered to disembark the United Airlines flight following his stunt which he suggests illustrates the absurdity of having to wear a face covering on a plane until it reaches cruising altitude now I can't decide if he's actually making a good point or not what I think he's saying is you make me wear a mask until the point at which I'm allowed to walk around. And then when I'm allowed to walk around, you don't make me wear my mask anymore. Is that true, though? I thought I everyone thi- had to wear masks at all times. I don't know, because I think... Because you eat your meal, you oh, do yeah. all that kind of stuff. So he... It's two ways. I can't decide if this man is an anti-mask-wearing bastard or if he's actually trying to make a point of we either wear a mask the whole time or we don't. Because what it says... I so- mean, either way... He's an anti-mask-wearing bastard, isn't he? In as much as, like, even if the rules aren't perfect, he's he's still a cock, isn't he? I mean, he's definitely a cock, and I'll get to more of it. He said, There's nothing more absurd than having to wear a mask until I get to cruising altitude so that I can then order Tito's by the double and snack on pretzels, illustrating that absurdity by wearing women's underwear on my face sounds perfect. I think he's a bit of a fool. He he decided upon a thong... (laughs) Well, that doesn't even because, do the job of a because, mask. No, because the only condition was that I had to cover your nose and mouth and the little bit of... So we had like a, little, t-bo- a T-bone around yeah, his... He had a tiny bit of underwear over his nose and mouth. So technically, according to the rules, he was fine. But they asked him to leave. And then other people left in solidarity with him. Oh. And they're the knobs. They're the obvious knobs. Oh. Because they're like, well... Did he just get kicked off for wearing a mask? I'm out of here. Forget about it. I'm out of here. <clears throat> he said he's been banned from all United Airlines flights and that he's been removed from a Delta Airlines flight previously for doing the same thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> so he's obviously a cock. Well, I mean, the um, thing is, when it gets to that point, he's not really making any point, is he? No. He's like, nothing's going to change as a result of this. So he's just desperately... He's obviously grumpy about wearing a mask. And he's just trying to get as much attention as he yeah. possibly can get. It's a shame. Because when I first read it, I was like, this is obviously stupid. And then when I read it again, I was like, well, actually, is he making a point? Because I've not been on a plane since all this bullshit started. And I think what he was trying to say, which is kind of a similar rule to, you know, we have the um, the restaurant rule of, you know, you, you wear a mask when you're walking around. But when you're sat with 
sat at the table, you don't have to wear your mask. But isn't that so just a pure practicality? You can't eat food and... Yeah, like, well, so, uh, so what he's saying is when they get to the proper attitude where you're allowed to go to the toilet and you're allowed to go and order your food, they come around and bring you food, so you take your masks off and you're eating and you're drinking. And what he's saying is, I haven't moved, I've sat in my seat the entire time, next to people I don't know... But I suppose the point and being... And now that, I'm allowed to take my mask off because miraculously at 35,000 feet... No, but that isn't When the you case, want to sell it? me pretzels, it's, I'm okay. Yeah, it's just a practical thing. But you could also argue that if you go on like a 12-hour flight, you yeah. have to be able to eat and drink yeah. on that flight. Even if they're not... I, I agree, obviously the airlines are probably trying to make money. Yeah. But that's not actually really the argument here. People need to eat if they're on a long flight. Or even if they're potentially... Even if they're on quite a short flight. And, there isn't really an argument. No. So he's either saying, as a result of that, we should never wear a mask on this flight, yeah. which is just a bit dumb. Because it's yeah. like, yeah, all right, fair enough. Maybe maybe it is a bit stupid if you all sit down for like half the flight with masks on and half of it without, let's say. But does it fucking matter? And it's better than not wearing it at all. Is it such, a, is it such an indignity to have to consider the 150 other people on your flight just because you've decided it's a silly idea that you only wear your mask for a little while? Well, Adam Jens, you are a penis, trying to be funny. I mean, that's why he's done it. He's done it, obviously, so that people can be like, at some point I will be viral for this. Like, someone's going to catch me and I'll And we be... keep falling into this. I part. know, and now we've fed it. I'm sorry! <laughs> I mean, but... I don't think you, I don't think you, you know, I don't think it makes much difference to him if he's I don't think featured we've... <laughs> on this, on this I don't think we've, like, added to his, like, public profile by featuring it on Breakfast Punk's <laughs> podcast. But if you're listening, you're a cock. <laughs> well, weirdly, I've also got a, a plane story. Oh. And I don't know if anyone was wearing a mask or not in this. There's a woman who was caught breastfeeding her hairless cat on a flight. Um. <laughs> a woman who took a Delta no. flight recently wasn't kitten around when she whipped out her breasts and started feeding her hairless cat. Oh, my Lord. The unidentified female flew from Syracuse, New York to Atlanta where she was caught breastfeeding her feline on the plane. A flight attendant told her repeatedly to stop and put her cat back in its cage. However, the woman refused. I have horrible amounts of questions about this. Uh, I doubt I'll be able to answer No, I've just never imagined that a human would want to breastfeed a cat. But then I think about it and maybe, maybe they've got a weird connection. Maybe they've done this for since she was young... Why does think that she's make... the cat's mother? I mean, oh, she's you think men- she... yeah, you know, because yeah, they yeah, suckle right. on their cat's mum's. Yes, yeah. I don't know. I'm trying. I'm. I don't know why I'm trying to make excuses for this woman. Um, I mean, I suppose there's a, there's some practical questions about the fact that. Well, why are they stopping her? It's about that putting is, the cat in the... No. That is not what it's about. <laughs> no, because it's not public indecency or anything, because you're an old fart if you think that. But I guess the cat has to stay in the cage. I think you've got a bit confused by the fact... Of course, breastfeeding in public is fine. Yeah. Because a baby might need... It's the similar. Well, it's a similar argument to this mask on a flight. Why is the airline even taking an interest? Because I suppose you could argue that if someone just got their boobs out on a flight, they would probably ask them to put them away. And is this any different? Because the cat does not, should not be breastfeeding a woman. <laughs> and certainly doesn't need to be breastfeeding a woman. How old is the cat? Why is that important? I don't know. I've just decided that might be, a, that might be a, a factor that's involved. No? I mean, I think the cat looked a bit like a baby because it was hairless. And she'd wrapped oh. it up in, like, in swaddling so that it looked like a baby. 
So I think initially people just thought it was a woman breastfeeding on a flight. That's fucked up. Then they realised it was a cat. A hairless cat. It's a hairless cat. Oh, this is giving me the the horrible. Well, feelings. you were making excuses. No, for I know. It, and just now about two minutes ago, I was trying. I got myself in the head of the crazy woman from Atlanta that might have been doing this, and now I feel a bit like I can't defend her at all. This I, is horrible. I think there's like. N- to some, you've got. I don't know. At some point, you've got to say there's certain things. Again, it's similar to the mask thing. Yeah. There's certain things that are necessary that you need to do. <laughs> Breastfeeding is unquestionably one of them. But not a cat. A cat <laughs> should not be breastfed by a woman. <laughs> I, I mean, as a vegan, safe. you should surely. <laughs> You should surely understand. It's giving the back to the animals. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. No, I, I, I feel, do feel like this is one of the now. most like painful as well. Sorry, cat's little teeth. But yes, and claws, oh, and also and is the woman producing thing? milk? Like, and why is she producing milk? And why is she giving that milk to a cat? <laughs> Why is there a child not with her on this planet? That's true. If she's producing milk, shouldn't there be a child receiving that milk? I think so. But I suppose my point be I think this is one of the strangest news stories I've ever seen. But your natural reaction was to basically say, well, what, does she just have a really special relationship with this cat? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we all love our cats. But I don't think that's quite the point. She's not getting any. No, it does feel a bit weird. The more I think about it... (laughs) But, but you shouldn't have had to think about it this long for it to well, have sounded I weird. I slept to her defence and I don't know what that says. And I don't want to unpack <laughs> that right now. <laughs> I think this went out across some sort of public radio system, which some which people can listen to almost. Like, well, not people can listen to, but I think nerds <laughs> with, like, well, can listen still. in to, 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 like, plain uh, announcements. Oh. And so someone just out of context heard that passenger in seat 13A is breastfeeding a cat. They will not put her cat back in its carrier when flight attendant requested. What, and they thought, we'll shame her by telling everyone on the plane? I guess, it went and read it. So yeah, pretty much, yeah. Nice. This poor woman. This poor woman. I still feel sorry for the woman somewhat. I don't know why. I don't know why. Yeah, I know. I'm not breastfeeding cats. It's weird. Well, there's a picture of a hairless cat here and he's very handsome. Aww. But I still wouldn't want my tit in his mouth. <laughs> well... From a food source of sorts to a different food source of sorts, an £850 pot brownie brings new meaning to getting baked. <laughs> that is, a big marijuana brownie has been uh, it's broken the world records for brownies, I guess. Um, <laughs> and it has 20,000 milligrams of THC in it. It is three feet wide, three feet long and 15 inches high. And it was created somewhere in Massachusetts. They must have had a big oven. Well, it's, it's, it's quite a... It's a slab. It is an absolute slab. I have no idea how they have actually made it. It has an awful lot of food in it. It has 1,344 eggs, 250 pounds of sugar, 212 pounds of butter, 81 pounds of flour, 120 pounds of cocoa powder, and loads of THC. Mm. 20,000 milligrams. Which actually means that you only get a tiny bit per brownie and I think medically you're allowed to have quite a lot of THC a day so mm. I think even if you ate the whole thing it's not that bad but um I'm not really sure why they did it they is it one really of records s- is it well, one of these fucking pointless- so the Guinness Book of World Records is refusing to acknowledge it because the current largest brownie in the world 
marijuana excluded, is £243. So this is officially the largest brownie to have ever been baked. But they are not considering this application because they no longer accept applications or new record titles that are related to the consumption, preparation or use of tobacco, cannabis or nicotine products. And that's weird because so cannabis has just been made legal in so many exactly. places. Exactly. But they're not they're not holding it. So it's the biggest brownie that's ever been made, and it happens to be a, a marijuana brownie. But you know, Guinness World Records refuses to acknowledge it. However, I did read, and one of my other stories was going to be that a man who holds two hundred other Guinness World Records won a world record today or recently for the furthest he's pushed a balloon along with his face, <laughs> <laughs> or like how long in time. That he's been able to push a balloon. Do you happen to remember how long that 4. was? 4.9 seconds. What? Is that it? It's not even that long. Because balloons move weird. Yeah. They? So he pushed it along with. But but sorry. 4.9 seconds. That's shit, really short. But it's also a really fucking weird act that the reason people get these records in the book is because they're like, here's a thing that no one's ever done. Yeah. Yeah. But this has been done. I feel very sad for these people that made this fucking massive brownie. In fairness. That don't get to like have in, it counted. In fairness, if they had just shut the fuck up and not put THC in it and just smoked a joint while they made it. Yeah. And not tried to be like, oh, this is a weed brownie, guys. It's so cool. Brownie. Just make a big fucking brownie. And you could be in a pointless book that says that you've made the biggest brownie. Exactly. It's not and even Maybe that... they didn't want to be. They just thought they would be cool. Well... We've given them a shout-out. So if all that they got out of this was Breakfast Punk's acknowledgement, then I'm sure they're well chuffed. Well, I'll tell you who isn't chuffed. Mm-hmm. The 40 camels <laughs> who have been banned from a beauty pageant after it emerged that they received Botox injections and facelifts. And this is my favourite story of the last two weeks. <laughs> so Saudi Arabia has declared war on cosmetically enhanced camels... At the King Abdulaziz Camel Festival. Saudi authorities also ejected breeders who used muscle-boosting hormones and inflated camel body parts. Which I presume could only be their uh, humps. It's They're inflating so them with water. fucking horrible. The pageant's organisers said they will impose strict penalties on manipulators. And camels compete in this camel beauty contest each year to win $66 million prize pot and the title of Miss Camel. <laughs> Which I think is very gender-specific, to be honest. Are they not any handsome male camels? Well, I think camels, because they have those lovely big eyelashes, so I think they're very cartoony female. Well, they um, are if they've had a facelift and some Botox but injections. That's fucking harsh, isn't it? It's to give them big, pretty lips and big, pretty... Parts, I guess. What's the pretty part of a camel? Uh, probably it's hump. The they're hump filling. And... They're enhancing. But it's their they're face. they're inflating their body parts. I mean, this is clearly not that funny of a story. Yeah, I mean, although we're going to laugh about it, it yeah. is unbelievably horrible and absurd. It's disgusting, but it is pretty fucking funny too. <laughs> I love that. Say, for example, because it, it reminds me of the kind of competitions that is like, oh, you know. The world's biggest aubergine, or like it's it's not a, it's not of any importance. This is just like a nice competition, except I don't know if it's turns a nice, out. Yeah, well, yeah. you know what I mean. Like, oh yeah. look, here's a dog in a Christmas jumper. Let's all you know race them, and it'll be a nice day. <laughs> that but, sounds like horrible abuse. That's what happens in Herne Hill. I went to a David Bowie dog uh, fashion show once uh, in Herne Hill. It was really bad. I, I mean, obviously that, that shows that shows me for what I am. 
But was it like Crofts, but all the dogs were dressed like they? No, it, it really was just dogs dressed up at a park, and it wasn't really like Crofts because it was dogs that didn't give a shit, and no one cared, and there wasn't anything other than just moving them around. Had um, anyone painted that lightning bolt? No, but some of them had face? it like strapped to their head. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but they just basically just had glitter on. They looked really nice. But I thought a camel beauty contest would be something like that. Imagine like turning up to like your grandma's like apple pie baking competition that she has at the school fete. And then it turns out someone's been like putting LSD in the in theirs so that everyone thinks that theirs is really good. What? I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I suppose. But the thing. Or I like think... going to a sports day, but like everyone is taking supplements. But the big difference with this is that it, there's a sixty-six million dollar prize. That... So it's not like it's not like your nan baking a cake and getting the sort of you know best she of, best goes of show. To some really good shows. Get Does your money. nan bake a cake and take it to and try and win a? In fairness, she hates people and has a crowbar, so no. <laughs> <laughs> They're not fucking about. This is like the Olympics is or something. US dollars? Like, fucking 66, tons of money? Yeah, 50 million pounds. What the fuck? Did you not... You've not listened. I've said it no, about but, five times. No, but... Now you're Sorry, surprised. but I thought it might be like, you know, when there's like, oh, here's this weird currency that is 77 million or something, but actually it's about 50 quid. No. Sorry, 50 million pounds? You know Saudi Arabia is very rich, right? <laughs> They're so rich. They're like, what do we do with all this money? Why don't we fill camels with Botox and then make them judge against each other? You've pretty much knocked it on the head, I think. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I literally burn this earth to the ground. <laughs> we don't deserve it. But it's just, what I'm oh. saying is, is that this is like a really serious thing. Like all of the other examples that I can think of that like, are like almost as disgusting as this. Things like those like little children beauty pageants and stuff where like... People take it really seriously yeah. and they really push their kids and they they do weird shit to them and make them look funny. But, like, that is horrible. But the, even then, they're only going for probably, like, even if they're, like, semi-professional at it, they're probably only making 500 quid or something if, that, if they win. Do you know what I mean? This, this is, like, this is more money than people win on the national lottery or something. Is, this it's is, just like, the, steroids at the Olympics, sort of. Yeah, I suppose. Feel. Although I don't think the camels have to do anything. It's not like the camels are like leaping over they don't, anything. Or... They don't stand up and go, if I ha- could end world hunger. <laughs> they <laughs> no. like do a little speech. No, camels can't Well, they don't talk. have a talent competition. No, like camels can't do anything. Well, they, I don't understand why they get so much money. They, I think they just squidge them and find <laughs> where the muscles are and how big the water pouch is and, <laughs> and check their eyes, make sure their eyes are good and their cheeks are all perked. They're just checking. They're checking for all of the things that you, you would felt. check to find out whether a camel was the most attractive <laughs> camel, and you should call it Miss Camel for the next year. Oh, I'm going to call you Miss it Camel is a for the next year. Beauty pageant. Well, I suppose I've won then. That's all right. I'll take that. Here's your fifty million nothings. <laughs> well, from Saudi Arabia to Brazil, crossing the countries here, Brazilian politics settle water park dispute in the MMA ring. <laughs> What? When two politicians got tired of debates, their fists started the talking. Politics can be pretty boring. Endless hours of debates, negotiations, meetings and committees. Recently, though, two Brazilian politicians brought some action into politics. They decided to speak soft and punch hard. This is a good article. Sim... Oh, okay, this is where I'm going to be really... I don't know. I'm going to try. Go at it. The Prosecco... Prosecco? The prosthetics... (laughs) The Prosecco will help, if anything, I'm sure. Simeo Pexotto, 
Not Pex, so he sounds like a wrestler already. Yeah. The mayor of Borba in north-central Brazil and the town's ex-councillor, Ernio da Silva, have been at each other's throats for a while. To settle their dispute, the two men stepped into an MMA fighting ring. (laughs) But at the centre of this dispute is a water park in Borba. (laughs) What? The councillor is accusing the mayor of not preserving the attraction appropriately. The water park has fallen into disarray and the councillor's gone, Oi, Mayor, you don't do enough to look after this water park. You should fucking talk to me about it. And they've decided to call each other out quite often online. Silver, who is not the mayor, he's the ex-councillor. He's also called Mirico for the purpose of this article. Don't know why. It's his, it's his nickname. Mirko has not minced his words in calling out Pexotto. He's called him a rotter and a crook, according to the local newspaper. Well, them's fighting words. He recently demanded that Pexotto come out and settle the matter with his fists, if he's man enough. And he, Sorry, he's an ex-councillor, by the way, so he's obviously just, like, fallen off the wagon and just calling out the mayor. And the mayor should probably, like, back off and not rise to this. No, 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 no. In an online video, Pexotto said he was more than ready to take Mirko on. Show your face, he declared. Some of his voters said he shouldn't get into a brawl and should be more diplomatic. (laughs) And in response, apparently after he'd cooled down, he clarified his intentions that I'm not a street fighter, I'm mayor of Borba. But if he really wants to fight, I'm ready to fight and I've always been a winner. (laughs) (laughs) And so they did! So, on December the twelfth, they had a they had a match at a local school. A local they're, school. They're both, what they took it? Did kids watch? Uh, oh, I don't know. It's just <laughs> I guess it's where the nearest ring was. Um, and they're both in shorts and gloves, and hundreds of people came to see them. Are they elderly men? Uh, well, they're thirty nine and forty five. Okay. So old enough to know so better. So they couldn't become professionals, but they could probably have a fight. No. I mean, this is toxic masculinity at its absolute worst, isn't it? It is pretty I mean, this is two people that are superficially in power of something just (laughs) deciding to have a fight over a water park. According to local reports, the mayor, with a towel emblazoned with the word Jesus around his neck, marched twice over to Mirko's corner... Both times he swiped his fingers across his throat. Oh, my God. This is the mayor of the town. (laughs) So this isn't like part of a reality TV show or anything. This is actually just real life. just straight up what they did. The match lasted three rounds, and by the end of the third round, the mayor was really messed up. He could barely walk, and it looked like the ex-councillor had won. But they declared the mayor had won. Everyone was angry. And Mm. has it solved anything? No one knows. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no. No, it hasn't. This reminds Pro- me of this time when... Probably not. This reminds me of this time when there was a... a um, I can't remember his name. A European film director who made loads of really terrible horror movies in, like, the early 2000s. I think his name was Uli something. It might be... Is it Uli Lommel? I don't know. Um, and he made uh, loads of films based on computer games. He made the House of the Dead film. He made... Oh, I can't remember. He 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 had loads of money. He was a bit of a sort of Neil Breen type of character, that he had more money. But he just made yeah. these terrible, terrible movies. And he got a review from someone from like a horror magazine, like Fangoria or something. Yeah. That was like basically said, "This is the worst film ever." And so he said to this guy, "Come and have a boxing match with me." 
And the guy thought, oh, this will be good publicity. So yeah. we'll, just, we'll just go and have this boxing match and it's yeah, fine. Yeah, it'll be hilarious. And they went and had a boxing match and it turned out that this guy was an ex-professional boxer and he just beat the living fuck out of him. Oh, <laughs> And the other guy was just like a nerdy sort of horror dude who just wrote in a magazine. But yeah, I can't remember that guy's name. We should do one of his films on this podcast because they'd be totally, totally terrible. (laughs) That sounds right up our alley, I'd say. Well, you know where I could probably imagine political disputes getting uh, sorted out in the ring? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah? Oh, oh, yeah? Not really this Oh, I thought you were going to have a story. Well, (laughs) let's go to Norfolk. My oh yeah was more about you know Paige who's in uh, WWE. Yeah. Well, she's from Norfolk, isn't she? Yeah. And wrestling with my family. We're we're well we're well wrestling in Norfolk. So I was going to well say well wrestling in Norfolk. Yeah. You fucking heard it. You fucking <laughs> heard it here, boy, ain't we? We fucking done the wrestling in Norfolk. But this story is not about wrestling. Okay. It is. It's from last year because I'm not going to lie. I went on the EDP website this morning to have a little, you know, gander at what's been going on in the news. And it's all fucking just murders and paedophiles. So I weren't really up for talking about none of them. So I went back to last year to see if there was any festive news. Last Christmas. Last Christmas, Mm. I gave you my heart. Families left disappointed by creepy Christmas grotto in Norfolk. Uh, Families have demanded their money back after cooing for hours to get into a drive through Santa's grotto that left many of them disappointed. Some of the people who turned up to the grotto in the grounds of Taverham Hall near Norwich were feeling anything but Christmassy after their uh, experience. Some kids were made to wait three hours in traffic after booking a time slot. Can you fucking imagine that? Um, people were very disgruntled. They took to social media. They were angry. And it was not inexpensive to go to this drive through Santa's grotto. Um, three grumpy children and four disappointed adults. We are down £110. Fucking yep. hell. Yeah, it's a bit... They're Did you all get a, bit... a prize? A present? Uh, well, a prize? <laughs> <for that. laughs> um, yeah, it's very sad. Uh, we wanted the sparkle, the magic of Christmas. But I started laughing because I couldn't comprehend how rubbish it was. The... <laughs> Sounds a bit like the film you watched this week. The Scrooge guy called us all mutants. <laughs> what? What? The Scrooge guy called us all mutants (laughs) and said Santa has crashed his sleigh and the presents are in the mud and there was a man in chains by a tree just staring at the car. It was creepy, but it's meant to be for little kids. The light tunnel at the end wasn't even switched on and Santa couldn't be less interested. Another parent said the gifts were rubbished. They weren't even wrapped. Just in brown paper bags, and I reckon they were bought at Poundland. I mean, this sounds a little bit like it was some sort of a <laughs> uh, like art installation, and these I... people just act or like it was supposed. To, it doesn't sound like it was supposed to be Christmassy at all. It sounds like a Halloween. It does sound like Halloween house of horror thing. I just and that these people have gone there thinking it's Christmas. I just yeah, but. <laughs> apparently they've been waiting in like traffic for ages and they said so- sorry you've paid your 68 quid for your tickets but you might still have to wait two more hours to get in after booking the time slot 
And then when you get there, the Scrooge is going to call you and your family mutants. What? In what does he put that in context at all? Does he just shout mutants at you and walk off? I don't know. I really don't know. Was it drive through because of COVID? Was that the point? Maybe it doesn't really say. It doesn't really say because that would have been twenty twenty in yeah, so December. Been, so yeah, yeah, it would have been the height of COVID, I guess. I really don't know. But what what's quite beautiful is the people who run it just flooded social media with how happy they were that the event went. <laughs> they were like, everyone enjoying working on Santa's drive through grotto, so many challenges and rules and regulations, and the team still produced stunning work. <laughs> Tell that to Marjorie with her three kids and get called mutant, <laughs> mutants by Scrooge. <laughs> I love it. And creepy Santa's in chains from a tree staring at them. But that, I mean, that bit, that's the bit. Like, the rest of it could be just disgruntled employees <laughs> or whatever, or just, like, be a bit shit at doing it. But having somebody chained to a tree, that tells me that that was not a, that wasn't a Christmas event. That was definitely, like, something else. Surely. I really, I really... It's quite discordian in a way. It must have really fucked with those people's minds. It must have fucked them up. And and to be honest, I'm seeing some pictures and it just looked like people's nice houses dressed up in lights, but in the distance, like, they're nowhere close to you. It, it don't make any sense. It don't make any sense. They weren't happy. They should have gone to that, um, put the Christmas tree, you know, in the Christmas tree wrapping machine that we talked about last week. Yes, they should have. It have been far more exciting than this... Uh, Scrooge telling you you're all aliens and telling you to fuck off whatever this Christmas experience was. <laughs> that sounds great. I mean, nice. it sounds great to me. I, I am gutted we missed this. <laughs> that sounds fucking brilliant. <clears throat> well, that's enough Norfolk news. Don't let my normal voice, kind of. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like my normal voice and Norfolk noise is getting ever increasingly similar to Norfolk each other. Norfolk noise is right. Norfolk noise. That's what we'll do. Uh, so it's time for a song. This song is from Gay Panic Defence, and the song is called Sick Dave. Yeah, I don't know mm. why you picked that one. Mm. Looking at you, I know why you've picked this. Um, they're a band from Scotland, and this song is from the album Party Smasher, which came out last year. So this is Gay Panic Defence with Sick Dave. <laughs> Welcome back to this festive edition of Breakfast Punks podcast. We're going to move on to our Christmas potluck. It's Christmas! Oh my god. This is going to be really cool. <laughs> because it's Christmas! Um, it's do- Christmas! <laughs> this is never getting old. Have you seen that um, video where it's the Slade song? Um, that one. What's that Slade song called? It's Christmas. Oh. <laughs> And it's um, the whole song, but instead of any of the lyrics, it just goes, Are you hanging up your stocking on your wall? And then it's just, Are you hanging up your stocking on the wall uh, for the entire rest of the song? Yeah, someone, nice. someone used a part of their life to make that. It's good. I Loads quite like of it. people have used a part of their life to You're watch it. You're hanging up your stocking. <laughs> 
So anyway, we've had some bevies and we asked everybody over the last couple of weeks to send us in ideas for things to discuss at this point because we figured we wouldn't have one main subject that we discussed. We would just do weird tidbits and see what people sent us and uh, and go from there. And what we've done is we've taken everyone's suggestions and we've literally, old school, written them out on paper, cut them up, folded them up and put them into a little bowl. I don't know if you can hear that's that, but that's all our bowl. suggestions in a little bowl. Ooh, I'm throwing them on the floor. And we're going to sift through the bowl of suggestions and just go through them one at a time and just have a little discussion, see what comes out. And I, Yeah, it's going to be a bit random. And I think that potentially we've got quite a lot. So I apologise in advance if we run out of time as far as getting through them all. We might just have to miss some because there's loads. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. It depends how long we end up talking about all of this weird shit. Also, it's probably worth saying that more or less, 50% of them I know, and 50% of them Siobhan knows, because we've got them in different ways. That's so true. some of these will be completely blind to one of us. But we've got the internet at the ready. We aren't expecting to be clued up on any of these things, so apologise if we're just buff- like buffoons. <laughs> As ever. Which we always are. Woo-hoo. So we're going to take it in turns to get them. Yay! So... There we go. <laughs> oh, brilliant. <laughs> go, David. So this first one... Oh, we're also going to keep them anonymous, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just so we're keeping them anonymous because we haven't written the names on. So I apologise. Some of them are probably going to be quite obvious, though. So this first one is Drunk Mums. <laughs> Siobhan, I think you need to take that one, probably, because my mum is actually a teetotaler. So. <laughs> yeah, your mum drinks, like, one glass of Pinot a year. Drunk mums. Oh, yeah, well, I, mean, I, I have met drunk mums before. I frequented the mums when they're drunk. That sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I guess this uh, this is definitely from one of comeback clip because we have a song called Drunk Mums, which is about um, various uh, mothers getting drunk. Because we have some wonderful mums and they do like to get wonderfully drunk. Mostly about my mum. She went to a school fete. When we well, she always gets pissed at the school fates in Blowfield. That's what you do when you're a mum and you live in Blowfield. Well, she doesn't or, anymore. She doesn't live in Blowfield. Well, she lives in Southampton now, yeah, but yeah. you know, she's she's still probably pit, getting all the mulled wine tents drank dry when she goes to the Christmas fairs. <laughs> but in Blowfield, the school fate was where you went. Like everyone in the village went because the village was tiny, and so it didn't matter that it was the primary school village, like the primary school fate. Everyone went. If you were 17 and returning home from uni, you still went to this fete and you got pissed and jumped on the bouncy castle. Um, <laughs> as did all of the parents, even if their children were at university. And my mum used to go there and get pissed every year. Her and her mates used to drink dry the beer tent. They then created a wine tent, which they drank dry as well. And one year I couldn't find her and she was getting her face painted uh, as a dog by my friend <laughs> I said oh so it wasn't a fish it was, it was just someone having a go no 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 my friend was doing the face painting you know right. everyone at these at these fates and I said Megan are you see my mum and she goes yeah 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 I just, fa- I just painted her face she's, she's painted like a Dalmatian and she's running around somewhere <laughs> um, and I found her hugging my friend's older brother who'd come home from university with all his mates he said I like Matthew <laughs> just absolutely fucking cunted um <laughs> So we wrote a song about her. And the chorus is about Annie's mum, who drank loads of, loads of whiskey on her 21st birthday, fell off a wall, and when she was going home with um, Annie's dad, uh, he kept slamming her head in the door of the taxi because he didn't realise her head was out. I was going to say, by accident. <laughs> by <laughs> accident. Might be worth he kept trying to shut the door and was like, why were the door shut? And he looked and she lulled out the side and he was just like absolutely crushing her skull <laughs> with the door. 
So that's what I imagine uh, the drunk mum's aspect of this is about. I love, uh, I love my mum. Yeah, she's wonderful. All mums are brilliant. Drunk or not, doesn't matter if you're drunk or not, but my mum gets drunk quite often and she's fucking brilliant. I've got a drunk dad, but that's not nearly as uh, <laughs> fun. <laughs> There's almost no joy there. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm going to pick one. Why has there not been any Martin Appleby news on the podcast recently? <laughs> Anonymous uh, yeah, sender well, in might, for that one. It could well be someone who just misses uh, all the Martin Appleby sections. It uh, might not be him. Um, well, in fairness, I think it's probably because we fucked around with what the news in our podcast No, the news has become nonsense. It has become nonsense. And in fairness, Martin Appleby has done all sorts of wonderful things. He's I done think. some fucking brilliant so just in case this is I hope this isn't the first time you've ever listened to this podcast <laughs> it's, it's, it's normally better than this but um, I, I feel like the first maybe like three or four I think within maybe, maybe the first longer. I think maybe within the first six four of the news stories probably oh, were Martin about Apple. various things Martin Appleby was doing he runs a press called Scumbag Press which is amazing and you should totally check it out mm-hmm. he writes poetry and he's amazing and you should totally check it out and he's about to put out a new issue of a zine that he's been doing for absolutely ages called Paper and Ink. Well, I think he, I say about to do. I think it's a little way away, but he's getting uh, submissions for it at the moment. So he does all sorts of things. And so I feel like when we first started this podcast... And that was a podcast for a bit as well. So he had a podcast, oh, he does a podcast his, um, as well. Paper and Ink yeah. thing as well. So in fairness to him, I don't think he stopped doing things. I'm talking about him in a third person like this wasn't him asking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and like you're not talking directly to him as an apology right now. But it's not like Martin was sorry. It's not like he's stopped doing things. It's just that our new sections have suddenly become about people putting bombs up their bums <laughs> and, and people putting all sorts of things in their or bums. injecting camels with things. Yeah, or speaking to UFOs from another country. So I suppose that's why uh, mm. I miss it as a section. And uh, in 2022, expected to come back. Exactly. Send us your zine. We'll read it out. I would like oh, to try and I'd no, like to I'm try and name actually. all the things he's done since then as a sort of to update everyone with the news, but I definitely won't remember them all. He did release a wonderful split zine by um, me. Oh, is that that blue and the green one with Cody? <laughs> blue and yellow. Oh. Blue and green, you're right. Yeah, knew it, knew it. <laughs> Prick. Yes. Wrote, only wrote the poetry and whatnot. Right, <laughs> we're moving on. Yeah. Discuss the film Gremlins. This came with a clause that it I remember reading. And but it said, discuss the clause, Kremlins. Kremlins? Kremlins. Wow, that's, that's a totally, that totally different, different film. film. Discuss the film, Kremlins, unless you don't like it. Because if you don't like it, don't discuss it, because it's my favourite film. Well, I didn't need to add that proviso, because I, I, knew, I knew that we both liked it, so yeah. it's not really a problem. I know, but <clears> how, do, who doesn't like Gremlins? I don't know. That's Is there anyone really... in their world that doesn't like Gremlins? I think there definitely are. I kind of remember being a kid and people being like weirdly scared of it. Like I'm talking like a really little kid because it's not really a kid's film, but like we definitely all watched it when we were, you know, seven or eight or something. Yeah, maybe. So like I think it was a bit like the one in the food processor freaked people out a bit. And the little punks. And there's yeah, like the evil ones and stuff. Yeah. But I let's think. What what can we discuss about the film of Gremlins? I love Gremlins. I have to say I did see it when I was a really little kid. But then it wasn't one of those films that I maintained watching through yeah. my life. So in my teenage years, I don't think I watched it. And I think I sort of almost forgot about it. Yeah. And then probably somewhere in my mid-twenties or something, I watched it again. It was a bit The Lost Boys, I did the same thing. I didn't watch mm. The Lost Boys for years. And I just thought it was like some kid's film that I used to watch. And then I watched it again and I was just like, whoa, this is fucking perfect. 
And yeah, and that's so that's my full review of the Gremlins. It's fucking perfect. So it's got I... Dick Miller in it. He's one of the oh. greatest actors of all time. Joe Dante is the director, who's the guy that directed it. I think has done some of the most wonderful things. What else has he done? In a space, I which is amazing. Know. But most importantly for me, anyway, he made a TV show called Erie, Indiana, oh, uh, which is probably one of the greatest things that's ever been made, in my opinion. It's wonderful. It's, that's for kids as well, but I still love it. Aww. So I didn't watch Gremlins until quite late on. Um, I probably only watched it in my, like, early 20s, probably for the first time ever. Like, and it's just too adorable. It's just be- it's just wonderful. I'm not really into E.T., put it that way, but I'm well into Gremlins. Um, and then the same people? Did Spielberg do both? Spielberg was involved in Gremlins, but he didn't make... He was, like, the producer of it or something. Oh, he was enough. At that time, he was, like, the only known behind-the-scenes Hollywood person. Oh, really? So he used to put his name on loads of things. Just to get it out And, there. I mean, I think he probably produced Gremlins or something. I'm sure he was involved yeah. in it. It's got a bit of a Spielberg feel to it. But, yeah, he got involved in a lot of things. Fair enough. So, yeah, E.T. I watched as a kid. And I don't, I've only ever watched it as a kid. And so I can't really pass much comment on it. But I feel like Gremlins is just that same level of, like, cute fun. Because those little fucking critters, that little Mogwai... And the way he does is, I've got a little um, cuddly mogwai who sings. Um, I went to look at it, but I think he's up there. Yeah, I can see him. He's on top of our shelf. And he's so cute. And I bought you that mogwai. That I was know. the first gift I ever bought you, I remember. I you got it for Christmas. The first Christmas that we had. I don't have much to say about Gremlins other than it is beautiful. It's really sweet. And the mogwais are the best thing ever. So I think it fits the type of film that I love the most as far as like big budget Hollywood films where those like 80s movies where reality is kind of just thrown out the window. It's yeah. like real enough, but there's no particular emphasis on it staying remotely true to life. Yeah, they have like, houses, uh, they go to school. Yeah, but I mean, I feel like that's been lost a little bit because if you look at like big budget Hollywood movies in modern times, although loads of obviously like superhero films, yeah. weird shit happens. But the actual, like, lives of the people that aren't the superheroes is all kind of like they try and make it really based in reality, I feel like. And it's like dealing with... uh, There's nothing wrong with this, but, like, dealing with emotional issues and dealing with... Whereas I feel like in those films, those things, they didn't even try for reality. Yeah. They were like fairy tales, but, like, modern-day fairy tales almost. And not just because of the gremlins. Even if there had been no gremlins in that film... Like the Burbs. The Burbs is Joe Dante. Yeah. And although, well, no, nothing really weird happens in the Burbs. It's just about people winding themselves up because they think that everyone else is evildoers mm. or whatever. But it's still, it's nothing like real life. Mm. And I think that's what I look for in a, in a film, generally. Next out the bowl, wrestling. Just that's wrestling quite, that's generally. Quite, that's quite... Um... Overarching, and I like that. Well, this might be another thing to say. Uh, we we used to talk about wrestling on this podcast sometimes. I didn't used to, like, we were doing it forever, but I feel like when we first started, we did we did talk more about wrestling. We haven't talked about it for a long time. We haven't talked about it in ages. We probably should. Well, Well, here's our opportunity. Here is the opportunity (laughs) to talk about wrestling. Uh, So, we watch um, AEW, which is kind of like a new promotion. It's about two years old now, isn't it? Something like that. If that. It might even be a bit more than that. A now, bit more it? than two years old. I think it had its uh, another birthday. I think it's like October sort of time. Yeah. And uh, we don't watch WWE. Nope. Boo. Bad. Don't like it anymore. There you go. There you go. It's our thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, AEW. What can we talk about with AEW? Uh, what do you think is the best thing that's happened this year 
Oh, who's don't. the best? Who's the because be- loads the best of right now? so actually maybe we should give a little update in case you don't watch wrestling. Just a couple of things like AEW this year has gone from like a relatively like popular and Very kind of growing popular, like, growing yeah. promotion filled with relatively unknown with a few people that you'd recognise vaguely if you've ever watched wrestling, mm. but mostly quite unknown. Like they've people. got Matt Hardy and they've got John Moxley over the years, so there's like one by one got these like big stars yeah. from the indies or used to be on WWE or straight from WWE. But in the um, last three or four months, I guess. Yeah. I'm not sure Maybe, exactly. a, bit long- Maybe yeah. a bit longer than that. They started really getting loads and loads of like big names. And some, and the biggest one is CM Punk, who, for those people that don't know, CM Punk was like probably the biggest, most popular wrestler or young wrestler in WWE about eight years ago yeah. or something. And um, he quit at the sort of height of his fame and basically just left wrestling completely. He did a bit of MMA, he did a bit of acting. We talked about his film uh, yeah. a couple of episodes ago and said he'd never come back to wrestling and then did as a sort of surprise, a sort of everyone kind of knew it was coming surprise. I mean, the episode he came back on was the most perfect thing because yeah. people at WWE re- uh, matches, ever since I started re-watching it, which, which probably would have been about a month or two after he quit, have been chanting CM Punk in the audience for ages and usually at a time of defiance against WWE like whenever WWE are doing something shit the audience starts shouting CM Punk as a kind of like fuck you to them even though they've paid their money and they're there and then the episode it was kind of rumoured he was coming into AEW and then they were heading to Chicago which is where he's from and so everyone was like if he turns up he's gonna turn up here and within seconds of them opening the show, they just played his music and he walked out and it was just like, you know what? We've got to get this over with because people are going to shout CM Punk over the entire episode yeah. unless we bring him out immediately. And it was just beautiful. It you was, it was an amazing... I think even if you didn't watch wrestling, if you had a vague idea of the story and then watched that, it was it was a genuinely quite emotional yeah. thing. And like, it was just done... Yeah, like you say, it was done really well and like... And so, yeah, so he's come back. And then also Brian Danielson, who yeah. was Daniel Bryan in WWE. and who, who owned, I say that, he was like the manager of SmackDown, inverted commas. Like, oh, he in was huge in line, WWE. Yeah, in in, in yeah. the storyline, like he was made out to be like, he was a massive deal in well, WWE so, well, no, in the he, years before his kind of like... Well, he had a funny story as well, because he was someone who they didn't want to give a championship to, but he was like the most popular person with the fans. Yeah. And so there was a WrestleMania like whereby... I don't know exactly what happened behind the scenes, but they'd more or less were trying to like write him out and they were trying to say, this is your main event. It was like The Rock and John Cena. I think yeah. maybe, I'm not sure if it was that year, but it was like two of the people that they wanted you to, wanted to be their big stars. And then, and he was just like chucked in the sort of opening match or something. And the crowd really hated it and they kept booing and they kept chanting for him and eventually they changed their mind and there was a WrestleMania where... He wrestled twice, I think, or maybe even three times, I'm not sure, in order to get a championship. Yeah. Um, and he won in the end. So they worked out that was what the fans wanted. And that was, again, I think, remembered as like this really emotional thing at WrestleMania where everyone went completely mad. So, yeah, so he was kind of... Him and CM Punk were very similar in as much as they were like the ones that the crowd really loved, but the ones that the company didn't really want mm. to push, I guess. But, yeah, so they're both in it, and, and along with lots of other people. There's no point in going through them all. And so, I don't know, as a result, I suppose, I don't know exactly whether it's meant that, like, loads more people are necessarily watching AEW on on telly or whatever. I don't really follow that sort of stuff. I'm not really sure. But definitely, since lockdown, like, their stadiums they're 
are massive and they're rammed. Yeah. They're always sold out and stuff. So I mean, it's like super popular. But yeah, I I think it's been really good. I I think that you can tell that it's new. I think some of the stories like don't really go anywhere at yeah. sometimes, and there are like frustrating things where they do something that just doesn't work sometimes on telly, yeah. which is fine. And I kind of like that about it in the first instance, I think, because in compar- WWE is so like clean. It's like watching the wrestling equivalent of McDonald's. Like everything's perfect. <laughs> everything is right, you know? Yeah. And so I really liked AEW being a bit rough around the edges. But now sometimes where they just, like, for example, with CM Punk, he came back and it was like the biggest thing in the world. And then they just put him in a load of matches with sort of low down people. And he hasn't really been that great, but he's been fine. He's been all right. And I sort of feel a little bit like they could have made a bigger deal of him and he sort of yeah. lost his edge a little bit. And They're clever in some ways because the storyline he's in is the person who's calling him out is saying, you've lost your edge. Like, yeah. I think they've realised what's happened. Well, that is they're now. trying to make yeah. a story yeah. of it. But yeah, no, I appreciate that, like, for the last few weeks, he, for the last few months, really, he's just kind of been like, yeah, we get him out, we play the music, everyone in the crowd who hasn't seen him yet goes mad. Mm. But now they're going back to some of those stadiums before and everyone at home is like, we've seen this fucking hundreds of times now. I would say that while the storylines are a bit rubbish still and they keep doing this thing where, like you mentioned it, they, they've got too many of them. that They're all in like factions and groups now. So mm. it's all a bit like allegiances are getting formed randomly just to fulfil, put you in a hole. Um, but the wrestling is still like the best. Oh yeah, yeah like yeah, actual yeah. wrestling. I think I take it for granted because we watched WWE for years, not really watching any proper wrestling. Never a move that you're impressed by, and now like every week, numbers of times a week because they have so many shows, you're always impressed. Like the wrestling is never rubbish. I think as well, like, it's, it's so partly good. the moves and stuff. Like they're all really athletic in a way that. I don't think I've necessarily ever watched that much. I think it's more like an indie style of wrestling. Yeah, maybe. But also the matches themselves are, like, exciting. And I don't know how... I have no idea about the technical way that anybody can do that. Yeah. But they do this thing where sometimes you're watching the match and you're a bit bored and it's been going on for a little while. But at some point, somehow, it, like, sucks you in. Yeah. And then you're actually bothered about who's going to win. Even though you know that it's made up and predetermined and all that. So it doesn't really matter. You... It takes you on a bit of a journey, and I feel like that. I never got that. In and they're quite good at making the matches where it's so and so against so and so, and you're like, well, <laughs> clearly that guy's going to win because that's the way the storyline's going. But they still make the match good. And mm. WWE used to be like, here's a match for the sake of getting the storyline out, and they put no effort into the match being good. Whereas in this one, so for example, Brian Danielson was wrestling everyone in this faction called the Dark Order in order to get to the champion because he had a championship match. And he was going through all these people in the faction to, like, prove that he was going to beat the main guy. So, obviously, they couldn't have him lose on the way through. And he had to do, like, four matches. So, you knew who was going to win every single one. But every one was really good. Yeah. And it's just like, ah, you know, you didn't have to do that. And it's good that you did. And all of those people actually got to show themselves for being quite good wrestlers. Whereas they would normally have just been the, like, filler. If they were on WWE, they for sure would have been filler. So, Mm. uh, yeah. AEW is fucking cool. WWE, they're releasing tons of people uh, very soon, or they've been releasing people for months now. So I don't even know what WWE looks like. I know Seth Rollins is still the person they're pushing, uh, as well as Roman Reigns. Why are they still pushing Roman Reigns? Well, no, from what I can... Again, we don't watch it, so I don't know. Yeah. But from what I've been told... Or it's been told. From what I've read... From what I've been told by the internet. From what I've read... I think Roman Reigns is actually really good at doing what he's doing now. I think he's supposed yeah. to be like a really good baddie. 
But we don't know. We don't watch it. It might be really good for all we know, but I'm pretty sure it's not. It yeah. is a strange time at the moment because you're right. I mean, they've released like so many people and there's a lot of talk as to why that's happening, as to whether they might be like just reducing all of their costs because they're going to sell and all sorts of things. So who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. But um, And in a way, we hope that they don't all get bought into AEW because the nice thing about AEW is it's this indie wrestling company that's built up all these people that are from these tiny little wrestling promotions or who have been like beaten down by big companies in the past and built them up and said, look, we actually think you're a really good wrestler, come wrestle. But very recently they have had this influx of like really good people and definitely no one's been taken on for the sake of it. But they've had a lot of people from WWE recently and I just hope they don't like rely on all these like big names. I don't think they will and they haven't yet. I was going to say, I think the, is, the signs are good because since those people came in, they've given one of their like original sort of indie guys the main title yeah another one the other title yeah you know they're not like all the titles are with. they're not it's not like cm punk and brian danielson have come in and now they're both yeah. the champions like so it, the signs are pretty good and like even yeah. who they're pushing who it appears they're pushing to be like the next champion yeah is like mjf yeah probably you know, I don't know. And but, also, uh, <clears throat> women's-wise, I think Ruby Soho is probably going to win the women's one. And that will be good, because she got shat on pretty heavily in WWE towards the end. Yeah, I So say, I kind though, of feel like say, if she wins it, that's she's, fine. She's, as much as I really want to like her, and like... She's not really good. She's really not really Aww. good. <laughs> she's not as good as Britt Baker, who I didn't think I was going to no, enjoy yeah, as much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Britt Baker, I've now turned around. Anyway, for anyone who doesn't enjoy wrestling this last ten minutes... Let's move rubbish. on. <laughs> We're definitely going to lose some of these because we're already going too long. But let's go. We thought we didn't have enough. All right. So I think we can sort of be quick-ish with this one. Yeah. We've got Veganuary tips. Uh, Don't be a knob. Do your best. I mean, that's just being a vegan (laughs) generally. I mean, I think there's... I don't know. I can't remember. We were asked this question a while ago for something. And I I feel like our answer was was quite good. I feel like veganism in 2021 is easy. It's not really a big deal, but you just equally, to do it or don't. yeah, I don't think I think that we still view it in this way where it's like this really big deal. Yeah, like you're really losing out on something if you go vegan, and I think that's one of the really negative aspects that stops people from doing it. Yeah, but also the other side of it is if you're a bit vegan, that's fine as that's well. Fine, we have yeah. this really black and white idea of like you have to be you are either a vegan and you've got the t-shirt you or you're a, a vegan. or you're a non-vegan and you have you're not allowed yeah. the t-shirt and i think that's a load of shit it's like if everybody i've always thought this if everybody was just vegan Twice five a days a week yeah. or yeah or even that it still makes a big difference and so that's fine and i think yeah. that we ha- i think i almost i don't necessarily even i am vegan and i only eat plant-based things but yeah. i wouldn't necessarily even describe myself as a vegan no. or if I, I feel like it's not really a I don't know, it feels a little bit non-inclusive to me. Yeah, it comes with this history of a snooty attitude as well, which I don't agree with and I don't enjoy. And I don't enjoy anyone judging anyone for anyone. Like, vegans hate being judged by meat eaters, but they're also judging... It's just, it's just, but it's just a, (laughs) I know, but it's just this huge kind of like judgment circle that I don't really enjoy. Whereas I kind of feel like if a meat eater went to a restaurant and there was a meat free option that was pretty good, that would be to their taste and they tried it and they liked it. And then maybe they, next time they go there, they try that. That's a win. Whereas Mm. some people would be, you know, berating people for not eating, like you say, not eating vegan every day of the week all the time. Like... 
I'm kind of we're in a position where meat replacements and plant-based alternatives are really big at the minute and they have been for years like plant-based cheese and plant-based meat alternatives and all of the weird stuff that comes with that but I think that's probably where the future is kind of heading and I don't say I think it as if it's new and profound like that's where it is like we're growing meat in labs now I think rather than um I mean that doesn't sound good either no but we're at a point where there is literally very little reason to cull animals yeah and it's about if people still want to eat that product yeah, and not get it from an animal, then it still exists. But I think that minimal, that number is declining as well. And it's just I don't know every little helps. Is, I don't know if anything we've said has respect. been veganuary tips. I suppose the point that maybe we're making is if you decide to do veganuary and on day 14 you really want some cheese and you think, fuck it, I'm going to eat some cheese. Yeah. There's no need to then say, right, well, veganuary is over. I'm just I'm not going to do it. For the, yeah, now I'm just going to yeah. eat cheese. Or, like... It's and the same as if you went vegan and a year in you accidentally ate a Big Mac or something. Yeah. Like I feel like there's this attitude of you're either a hundred percent in it or you're not. Yeah. And so therefore it's like if you cock up, oh well, it's shit, like binge I'm, not, culture. I'm not a vegan anymore. Yeah. This is rubbish because I I did this, but it's like actually fuck it. Yeah. Like no one's perfect. Just yeah. If just you... if you want to be a vegan, then be as vegan as you can possibly be. And if you exactly. can't fully be one, then who's judging? Who gives a shit? Exactly. Just don't call yourself a vegan, but try do it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) There's so many, like, there's a moral kind of spectrum in that respect. And you either apply yourself to it or you just do what you feel is right. And I think most people should just do what they feel is right. There's going to be some people at either end, always, that are calling you out for not being vegan enough or, you know, ethical enough or whatever. Just don't slip and fall and then get vegan vegan, vegan, veganuary stuck in your anus. (laughs) Don't slip and fall. But yeah, it is definitely a, a spectrum in that respect. Just do what you can. But it is good to be vegan. Yeah. Don't get should... me wrong. <laughs> moral, like, if you want to go down the moral hole, be vegan. But, you know, do what you want. Just don't be a prick about it. Don't be a prick. Be vegan, don't be vegan, just don't be a dick. There yeah. we are. <laughs> What's your fifth item to take to a desert island? Oh, fucking what? hell. Well, we're going to have to You're do fit. the first So does that mean you have to name the... We? Yeah, is that just what you take into a desert item? And what's the fifth one? Um, um, right, let me just double check. This isn't... It's not like Desert Island Discs where you're just taking albums, is it? No. You're taking things. You take things. Oh, no, I was going to say one, but you need something else. Oh. Well, that's the problem. Can you take things together? Is it like, I want to take this album, so therefore automatically the stereo comes with it? Or do you know what I mean? Or do you? Well, I think to... you have to take separate things. Right, but... Yeah, like a stereo, right. and then it's like ACD. Or can you say CD collection? All right, this is a very because uh, we haven't got time to go through this in too much depth. I'm going to say without question, the only things that I would need if I was on a desert island, yeah, is someone to read, yeah. someone to write in, and someone to listen to. So I guess I've got to take. It depends how small I'm going. I've got to take a pen, yeah, <laughs> a stereo of some sort. One book. What's that one book? We'll get to that. All right. That's a book to write in. Jesus Christ. And one album. Fuck a duck. So fifth... You're not eating. What are you going to eat? Oh, I hadn't even thought about food. No, fuck food. Okay. Um, The book would be Cat's Cradle by Kurt Vonnegut. No, it wouldn't. It would be Breakfast of Champions by Kurt Vonnegut. And the album would be... (gasps) Fucking hell. I mean, this is a hole that you don't have to go down right now, because it's hard. No, but that's the fifth. 
That's the thing, oh. to answer the question. You just think about what your fifth is, whilst I'm... <laughs> I'd probably be stupid to just bring one band's album. So it would be. It would need to be a compilation. I would make myself a mix CD oh, okay. of the top 73 or whatever minutes worth of music. I mean, Fair. it would probably make more sense to take a fucking MP3 player, I suppose. Yeah, in, <laughs> I would in take, hindsight. I would take Spotify. What's your fifth? What's your fifth? Um, I agree on the kind of like the reading and the listening to music sort of things. I think I would need like an act like well no because you want to do that island island would be quite cool. Can we bring the cat? No. Oh god, I've left the cat to die. I know the cat's dead. <laughs> I was thinking just so something, I could bring a pen. <laughs> something to cook potatoes in. No, <laughs> oh, like a fryer. <laughs> yeah, but you wouldn't be able to plug it into anything. A solar panel air fryer. All right. And I would cut it up with a, a twig. <laughs> We'd next, have wedges all next day. Thing I'd bring ketchup. Behind. Go on. Mayonnaise. Can I make mayonnaise on this desert island? Right, I remember this one, and I think you're going to have a better chance of... Why is Goofy more <laughs> or less like a person and can speak, yeah. but Pluto is just a regular dog? Yeah. I, I understand it, and I, I don't have an answer. So, do you understand this at all? Do you know, I know what's going who on? Goofy and who Pluto are, but yeah. and, and I think I might have heard this discussion before. Yeah, I feel like it might even be in a film or something, but I might be wrong about that. I feel like uh, I've well, I heard this discussed by Johnny from Riviera Kid at what's a cool fest. Oh, so maybe I was. Oh, maybe yeah. that's right. <laughs> Jesus, it just sunk into my subconscious yeah. then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't think I, is Pluto blue. No. Right, so I don't know the difference between them, so I'm useless. So, in the Disney world, animals are, they take on human characteristics. Yeah, I understand that, yeah. But, Pluto is the dog that remains a dog. Okay. So he's owned by animals, I can't remember whose dog he belongs to. Oh, I see. But he is a dog, but he's still a dog. Yeah, Goofy has a child, and they talk, and he's mates with all the other Disney characters, but yet Pluto remains a, a dog. I see. I don't really know uh, what to think of that because if you go really for okay. like philosophical down that that's is it slavery? So they're from oh, <laughs> oh what, you want to go yeah fuck. but this is what I mean like what is that it's it's a you know are these from the same they're from so these the, are like it's the classic, same Disney world yeah they're from the world but then they would have had their own I can't remember whose dog Pluto is it might be Mickey Mouse's dog but I don't know because I guess head. now like all those characters just must. They just coexist, don't they? They're just yeah. like they, it's not like Mickey Mouse has his own cartoon, or if he did, he, he might. But like, yeah, but they're if you just went... like they're so um, em- emblematic. Yeah, if you went to Disney, Disney World, yeah. they would all be hanging out. But then I presume that the people in the in Disney World who play Goofy and who play Pluto, respectively, probably both talk to the kids and stuff, right? I don't know if Pluto would because Pluto's a dog. But I presume that they would have to just because if they're getting their picture well, taken. Go, woof, woof, woof. Or... Well, you might just be like, all right, kid. Like, yeah, I don't exactly. know. I don't think they would be able. What would the child think when it looked around I the think... corner and it was just. In, and <laughs> he had his head off and he was smoking a joint or something? <laughs> well, I think Pluto's owner would do the talking. I can't remember whose Pluto's owner is. I reckon. I've never. I don't. I've got nothing to base this on. But I reckon that in Disneyland they all walk around separately and because they. Just to cover just more. Just to avoid this. No, yeah, no, to cover more. Because it would all be about how many kids they can get photos taken with and stuff. It's totally oh gosh, corporate, isn't it? So they would have, they would, they would, they're probably expected to get like a photo every ten point three seven seconds God, or something. No, no, I don't know. Oh, I don't want to think about this. This, this element of it is quite sad. I don't know. 
I'm not really a Disneysman. You're not a Disneysman at all, which is sad because you should be because Disney's amazing. No, I mean, it's not amazing. I mean, he was a paedophile and it Nazi is a horrible pedo. corporation. Yeah. <laughs> That's literally buying the world. So I'm not really that sad. Um, <laughs> this next one is tarmacking and I've your got, thoughts I've, on it. I've prepped this. Have Are you, you ready? Because, so when, when this came in, full disclosure, we were like, oh, tarmacking. What, as in laying things on the road? And we were like, wait a minute. Does this, is this a sexual deviancy that we aren't aware of? And do we need to look it up? So we weren't going to look it up until right this minute, and Dave has prepared it. You ready? And he's looking at me. Tarmacked, which I think is, and tarmacking is the plural. Tarmacked is where a male and female take part in sexual intercourse. Yeah. And where the female is on top and sits on the male's chest and shits on his chest and rubs up and down. Do you want to hear an example? <laughs> I think that is an example. Oh, what? God. No, in, oh, God. Last night I got totally tarmacked. I was with this really hot chick and she was on top. I mean, this is so bad. This is literally <laughs> from the Urban Dictionary. It's so badly written. <laughs> then she sat on my chest and did a shit on it and started rubbing up and down. <laughs> so I, I don't know how to have thoughts about this. Um, I don't I didn't know. I didn't know what it was. We vaguely was aware that it might be bad. I presumed it had poo involved in it. I didn't presume poo. I don't know why. I don't know why I did, but I did immediately well, it makes think... Sense. Yeah. I mean, underneath this on the Urban Dictionary, you can get a tarmac mug. A tarmac <laughs> mug? From well, what I can I've make been out. So this is brilliant. You go so to the office and it declares you've been pooped on. There's obviously a company that yeah. makes mugs, right, yeah. that you can more or less have any word printed on. And it's just a plain white mug with a yellow square and then... The picture, it just says word. So I guess you can replace the word with whatever you like. Oh, okay. So, the word is in word. I'm, well, I don't know, but I'm <laughs> guessing that every single Urban Dictionary thing that you go to, there's probably this little fucking banner ad that says, get a tarmac mug. Yeah. You know, get a whatever else. Get yeah, a mug that says this stupid word on it. Yeah, there is. They're all, uh. they're, every single one, get a tarmacking mug. Tarmacking, the act of defecating onto someone and then smearing it in. Like hot rolled asphalt. <laughs> asphalt. <laughs> Although Elton liked a good tarmacking, he found it difficult to clean his congealed chest hair afterwards. <laughs> I'm reading this direct from the Elton. internet. Elton. <laughs> um, what, sorry, what are we supposed to be talking about? Our Discussing thoughts it. on it. I don't really... Well, I think we've said what it is. Again. I've learned something new. We at Breakfast Punks are very sex positive. Yeah, if you both partners enjoy tarmacking being tarmacked or doing the, doing tarmacking, the tarmacking laying the tarmac down i mean obviously you've got to make sure with your partner that they're up for this and have a long conversation about it yeah really consider what it is really doing. chat but you know i've got nothing i've got nothing morally against it chat, I don't then scat. i'm not a, i'm not really a scatsman myself i'm not really i'm, I'm not i'm not pretending i don't really understand the attraction but no. that's neither. What does that matter? It makes no difference whether I understand the attraction or not. If someone enjoys it, fucking go at it. I don't get poo, but if you do, then go at it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Next. Thanks so much for whoever sent that. Actually, I know who sent that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is a little one that we sort of added as an extra. We keep bringing up the Lils and the and the Debabies. Oh yeah. And we don't have a clue who any of them are. Lil the baby. And Lil Peep, we brought up. We on did. the last episode. And we poo-pooed him and we because were reminded that he might he be the a... voice of a generation. Yeah. So we did check out both Lil Peep 
and the baby the baby and but also another lil didn't we no there was no more no, lil because no we'd accidentally looked up a lil i can't remember what he's called now i've got to say the baby lil lotus lil we lotus. looked him up by accident yeah, yeah. Bad, he was terrible bad epitaph you've done some shit <laughs> so i would say uh, with i don't think we need to say anything about the baby because he was the baby's horse fucking shit. dog shit and he's a homophobic asshole who can't, he just completely pooed himself in public um recently did he poo on someone's chest no. and then tarmac it, but yeah. he just completely showed himself for how awful of a human being he is quite oh, recently yeah. and got uh, thrown off of loads of music festivals so we don't need to talk about the baby but does turn out his music is utter yeah i didn't know I, but little peep when i looked him up on the internet he was described as uh, uh something goth emo click click emo or something emo goth something and i thought oh god this is going to be absolutely it's dreadful little because, all over again well yeah to be honest yeah because i because the problem is with the word emo we might get onto this <laughs> I'm sure we we should do emo versus emo for well, a, yeah, um, maybe we should. A, an episode one But day. it's a very confused term. Yeah. So if you say something is emo... Emo in my it, language yeah. is bad, and emo and, in your language is completely different. I mean, we're the same, we would speak the same language, but I know what you mean. Uh, well, nine years makes a difference. <laughs> no, <it> totally <laughs> no, I agree, yeah, it totally does. Yeah. And so, so in that context, I presumed when I saw this, just really, at my own ignorance, because it was like a modern person, I was just like, this is going to be like fucking My Chemical Romance with a synthesizer. And I'm not up for that at all. But it isn't like that. And I think we have different views on this. Mm. I didn't love it. I didn't think it was incredible. But it does sound, his songs, that we only listen to three or four of them, they do sound like late 90s emo music sung through 3,000 machines and with like an electronic backing track, which, and you're going to not like this at all, I don't think, but it reminded me a little bit of the Postal Service. Oh, that's fine. I can I can handle that. Yeah, no, and, I completely agree. And there was, but also there was obviously like there was a guitar somewhere hidden in there, and the guitar was literally doing like it sounded like the fucking dismemberment plan. Yeah, or like some of it, it sounded a bit like Sensefield. Like Sensefield, sort of. I love Sensefield, but they yeah. kind of, if you listen to them out of context, they sound like a middle of the road rock band. Yeah, and in a way, they were a middle of the road rock band, but they did have like hardcore roots, and they they would there was more to them. There was something interesting going on. They made. Their later stuff was uh, a bit more... It sounded like Christian rock. But their earlier stuff was, was quite interesting. And there was something about it that reminded me of that if it was put through... I was going to say modern, but he he actually died like quite a while ago. I mean, I suppose this music isn't yes, brand yeah, new yeah. by any means. But if it was put through sort of a modern, a modern take on that with electronics in the background. I just and can't... I didn't mind it. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's. I think you're giving it an awful. Maybe I'm being rude. You're giving it an awful lot of credit. Where I think the word emo used by them is definitely the emo I'm referring to, as opposed to your nicer I, version. But I don't of think emo. it sounded. And like I that. think yeah, I I don't. Know, I think that I think that's accidental. I don't believe that anyone who had anything to do with the production of that boy is aware of the uh, emo scene of the '90s and early 2000s, like you are aware of. But I am so willing to be wrong, and if I found out that he was produced by people that are well into Sensefield and Texas is the reason and all this cool stuff, then fair enough. But I think that that would not. So be the funny case. enough, I I didn't even presume it would have been the producer. I thought to my, I thought he must have. Nah. That's the impression I got because presuming he writes the songs, I'm making a lot of presumptions because I've not looked into it. That I much. would say that the bit he writes is the words, which have nothing to do. So with. the word, the words are kind of like grotty sort of white boy rap, yeah. but the way that they're sung at times has a bit of a ring of there's something there's something more going on. 
There's something, yeah. and it might just be that there's like 50 million other people that sound exactly like him now. And so I sound like a really old man going, yeah, this sounds a bit different, because maybe it doesn't sound any different. Yeah, maybe. Maybe this is what music sounds like now. I still think his version of emo is going to be Dashboard Confessional as opposed to Sensitive. Uh, but even Dashboard Confessional came out of Further Scenes Forever, who weren't great, but they mm-hmm. were like... They were at least... No, but you see, depends what further scenes yeah, forever you listen to. John Bunch from Sensefield sung on one of their albums and oh, it's really? a fucking banger. Oh, I didn't know that. But he was after Dashboard Confessional left, but still. Oh. I don't like Dashboard Confessional. No, let's not get into... Let's not get into that. Um, so, next. Discuss everything wrong with Home Sweet Home Alone. <laughs> which we've only just realised existed because we were happily living in a world where we didn't know about this because we don't uh, leave the house or look at the Odeon poster very often. Uh, but... I can't believe that this got this didn't get to cinema. This is going back to the oh, Disney this is question. Disney. It was definitely it's on their Disney like streaming straight to Disney. So, Home so Alone... this is something else they fucking bought. Yeah. They bought Home Alone. Oh, I don't have much to say. We've only watched the trailer because fuck you. I'm never going to watch this film. Um, and I've only ever watched the first Home Alone. Whoops. Um, so in this version, from what I can tell from the trailer, the little Home Alone boy is English and well annoying. Ugh. And just like, he's just been made out to be like, look at that rubbish child. I mean, I don't like children, but he is really a bad version of one. I can't remember who else is even in it, but all the people are just awful. Well, I th- yeah, I think there's a bunch of people that are kind of like known in it. But for what I can make out from the trailer, it's obviously a family that are like half English. Half American. Half American. I don't know where they live. No. But the English aspect of it, they're all like proper plums in the mouth, grotty, like, shitty. Oh, come slip on the blue ugh. outside. Like just the absolute worst. Well, that wasn't quite, that was more like that yeah. cockney. But yeah. Um, <laughs> And then they go on holiday and Kimmy Schmidt turns up as the burglar and he does some pranks. I mean, it looks like it looks like the storyline is obviously the exact same, I mean, yeah. unsurprisingly, the exact same as, um, as Home Alone. But this looks fucking horrible. It looks awful. The reviews uh, sort of sum up humanity in a way. Yeah. Um, in as much as they basically say, OK, let me start off by saying that this movie was terrible, painful to watch. Had horrible lessons for kids. I don't really know what they are. <laughs> I'm guessing if you watch the original Home Alone, whoever this person is, depending on where they come from, they yeah. might think the same. How I felt about this movie, I was so disappointed when I watched this movie on Disney+. Plus. Plot fell shot when compared to literally any other Home Alone movie. This includes Home Alone 3. Um, <laughs> terrible. But then someone else has just said, let me paint you a picture of how I prepared for Home Sweet Home Alone. Ugh. Getting comfy. Tossed away the jeans and I put on my finest pair of boxers. Who They're the Doctor Who themed and read, it's bigger on the inside. Made myself a cup of cocoa, snuggled into my sofa and dot, dot, dot. I'm not reading the rest of it. I'm guessing after that it goes on to be about Home Alone, but, um, but it's not. Um, <laughs> I should say that we did have a conversation when this came through of maybe we should make this our movie to watch. And then we watched our Christmas the trailer. Movie, and we watched the trailer and one minute 44 was enough to tell me that I would have actually committed a hate crime <laughs> if I <laughs> was made to watch an hour and a half of this fucking dog shit movie <laughs> that, that just looks horrible. Um, the original Home Alones, I would, let's just say the first one. I've only watched the first one. Yeah, I mean it doesn't necessarily stand up filmmaking wise but Macaulay Culkin is a wonderful human being. Went on to create a pizza-themed Velvet Underground tribute band, which I, thing he ever did. I saw in a pizza restaurant 
once and we were all given a free slice of pizza whilst we watched. Sounds like you've got a worthy t-shirt as well. Very, very unusual gig. He is a wonderful, wonderful person, I think. Mm. He was obviously a bit difficult, but he's gone on to really come into his own. I've got a horrible feeling that he might have a cameo in this film, but I'm actually not going to look up whether no. he does or not. Because and he's got he a does, brother who acts in nice things as well now. Yes. So everything's good. So uh, we uh, that's not really a review of the film, but... Um, no, we're not watching that more film. Than yes, we agree. It's an absolute travesty. <laughs> um, watch the trailer, everyone, if you want to hurt yourself. All right. We were asked to discuss the album Fontelle by Babes in Toyland, which apparently turns 30 this year or Yay. next year. Soon. It's going to turn 30. I think it's next year. I think it was 92. I don't know. <laughs> well, I wouldn't know because uh, I'm going to be full disclosure. I'm not very really au fait with bands of, of yesteryear. And... <laughs> Whilst I'm aware of them existing, I hadn't actually listened to them or this album. So this was my first foray into listening to this album uh, ever. I really liked it. Good. I mean, I could. I have nothing to refer it to. I know that they're like peers of L7 sort of era music. Um, and it's very 90, very early 90s in its production and in its sound, which is enjoyable. And we really like that. So that's not a problem ever. But yeah, no, I really liked it. I'm sure, I don't know how it really juggles with things of its uh, time. I think that stylistically, Bays and Toyland fit into a really interesting hole, mm. along with, you're right, L7, definitely, um, but also along with things like Tad and like Mud Honey. Okay. I would say they're all of a kind of similar ilk of pre-grunge bands that came sort of from a punk background, but were definitely really influenced by metal as well. Yeah. And created the sound that would become known as grunge, grunge. Uh, but definitely wasn't known as that at the time. And probably as a result was much more interesting and much more like free-flowing, because I don't think those bands were all like smushed together. Mm. And I think it's a type of music that up until the last couple of years, I would have said, not from my own taste, but it probably hasn't aged that well, because it sounds really 90s like both production wise but also just like the way the music's put together it's all kind of like it's kind of I don't, I'm not really even sure how to describe it I probably there's probably musical terms that I, if I knew them I'd be able to use but the vocals are all, all really strong on kind of all of these sorts of bands but the music I feel like just sounds old now okay but yeah. the interesting thing that I'd say is that I've noticed this I've seen a bunch of bands over the last, pretty much over the, probably the last year, or heard a bunch of bands, who were kind of influenced by this era of music, this like pre grunge And I don't know if they're directly influenced. They might just be being influenced by grunge, because obviously like the 90s are back. And in some respects, I suppose if you kind of play grunge with other, some other influences, you might end up stumbling across this Yeah, I style. agree. I don't think I'm doing a very good job of describing No, I know it. what you mean. Like, if you're if you're influenced by something that was influenced by this sort of music... Yeah. But like, also, I think this sort of music really... Inf- so, for example, if you were going to try and rip off Nirvana... Yeah. You, you Chances are you might end up sounding like Babes in Toyland. Yeah. I, or you might end up sounding like Tad. Or you might end up sounding like L7. Mm. You know? And I just, yeah, I just think it's interesting because there's a bunch, and obviously this is pre-Riot Girl. Well, actually, this album isn't pre-Riot Girl, but I feel like Babes in Toyland were pre-Riot Girl, same as L7. They weren't really a part of Riot Girl directly, and I think that they actually did all stand quite. So Lunatics were the same. They were all three of those bands. They were around sort of pre-Riot Girl, and they weren't really a part of it. And I think purposefully didn't really want to be a part of it, no. particularly. And partly, probably because they were much more popular. They were bigger bands, really. Um, I know Kathleen Hanna 
it says that Babes and Toyland were a massive influence on Bikini Kill, and they would have definitely been a big influence. But I think musically, they don't they don't sound like Riot Girl at all. No. And I think it's one of those sad things as well. Sometimes when you look back, you'd throw. I know I just have, but you throw in. Oh, there's a bunch of bands that were all just female bands. Yeah. And it was quite rare at that time, so therefore they are the same. But actually, they really weren't, and they really didn't have that much to do with each other. Mm. And I think that's a. I think Babes in Toyland's peers were definitely L7, and those two bands are probably the most similar. Um, but like I say, I think they were more like the proto-grunge bands, which were mostly yeah. just fat blokes. All you the know, stuff that was hanging around in that area and that scene, pre-Seattle being the place to be and pre-that yeah. sound being dubbed as a sound. Yeah, but also, of course, they weren't from Seattle. Where are they from? Minneapolis. Minneapolis. And the same like L7 were from LA. So yeah. they were separate from grunge. And they were probably separate from grunge because they were girls as well, let's be realistic. Yeah. But, I don't know, they definitely would have influenced a lot of that stuff. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. So there's a big um, overlap between Hole and Babes in Toyland. That's there's, who I was uh, thinking th- when I heard them. Yeah, there's kind of... Uh, so there's there's a weird thing, I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to get this story exactly right, but Courtney Love has said that she was the bass player in Babes in Toyland for a while, they've said that she wasn't, <laughs> and someone, some members have said that she I- was and some haven't, and it's a bit of a weird thing, but <laughs> there are some songs on Hole's very early albums oh. that have like the same lyrics as... Some Babes in Toyland songs. I don't really know. I don't know the end of that story. I know how I could honest. believe that one, but that's based on yeah. just just limited hatred for certain people. Not Babes in Toyland. Not Babes in Toyland. <laughs> Chivorn's done a bottle of Prosecco, by the way. Doing all right. <laughs> and to commemorate the joy for Prosecco, festive cat picture! Oh, we We've did... been sent a cat picture! We asked people to send in their pets. We got one pet. We got one pet. We got one pet. And this is, and not that you can see it. No, we're going to describe. I'll describe. Oh, okay. Do you, you introduce the cat and I will describe. So this is Lizzo. She is the cat that belongs to the sewer cats, which is Cass and Josh. Hello. We've played on the show. We've played them on the show. They're very beautiful. <laughs> They're very lovely. And Lizzo is a big, fluffy cat. And in this picture, well, Dave's going to describe her. But can I just add... That this photo won her the best dressed pet at the competition <laughs> at Josh's work. So, their words, she is full of it. <laughs> and it is a glorious picture. Oh, she's got every right to be full of herself. <gasps> oh, look at her. So, this cat is glorious. <gasps> absolutely glorious. Describe her. Um, so, let me start. Let me ignore the outfit for a second. I'll get the outfit. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, outfit is pushing it. She, she is, and Shit. I don't know anything about, I love cats, but I don't know, I can't describe like breeds or anything like that, so you're going to get none of that. You're so what gonna you're going to get bog standard basic facts. Lovely, big, fluffy, beautiful cat. Yeah. She looks about as fluffy as Clockworthy Skeffington, who's our cat, who's the only cat that I can really compare. She's but, bigger um, than her though. I will just say that Clockworthy has been sitting on a chair. Next, Next to us, us throughout this podcast, purr, and so you might have heard her. Yeah. Um, she's got beautiful, big yellow eyes. Oh. I'm guessing that her pupils probably get really big when she's excited by something <gasps> or when food's about she to come. She's shake the dreamies packet. But that's, I'm presuming that. Yeah. She's a mixture of black and white. She's got a lovely, like, Batman top of her head. Yeah. Where so, like, everything around her eyes and her ears are black. And then she's got a lovely white moustache, a little black soul patch. Yeah. And then the rest of her sort of front of her body is white and then it's a mixture on the back it's almost like Maine Coon amount of fluff she looks, like she's really fluffy she looks super chill in this she, picture she just sort of looks like she's looking at the photographer like yeah also can I just say this is a beautiful photo it because beautiful. she's wearing a hat 
I don't mean to, I don't mean to like, <laughs> no, on, give it away. Sorry, it. She's wearing a little Santa hat, and her and this Santa hat are so beautifully she's in focus. She's also sitting on tinsel. And, but she's in amongst this tinsel that's slightly out of focus, but that makes it more glittery, and there's some essence of uh, Christmas lights in the background. Maybe someone's hanging up a Christmas jumper and it's got lights on it. That's what it looks like. No it's offensive, ex- it's not that. It just looks... It's extremely It's such a good photo. Hey, I mean, if they, give us the, if they give us um, the permission to repost it, we'll repost it, so... On, on the page so everyone can see it. I really hope that no Botox were used in the making I of don't, this cat. She's and got... I hope that no Photoshop was used because we will disqualify you. Oh, uh... your 55 million <laughs> Arab dollars are down the toilet. You cannot have them. If I was going to award a cat... You are not Miss Camel, cat. <laughs> if, if I was going to award a cat the Miss 55 Camel. million dollars... Well, it's clockworthy. Yeah, but this cat would get a nice Second. packet of dreams. Yeah. We love you, Lizzo. We love you, Supercats. Right, now we've got a list of the worst Christmas movies. Well, I think we've just watched probably one of the worst Christmas movies of all time, which we'll, which we'll spend a bit more time on later. Yeah. But there's one other that jumps to mind for me, which uh, Siobhan made me watch yeah. uh, a few years ago, which is called Santa Claus versus the Martian. Santa Claus conquers the Martian. Oh, there you go. I don't and think I, I paid enough attention to know whether he conquered I film. really... Yeah, well, I don't remember him doing anything. I don't remember there being a plot to this film. Um, I can't remember why we watched it, but it's a, a Christmas film from the 1960s. I think it's 64. And it's got um, Pia Sidora in it, who oh, is in... She's in Voyage of the Rock Aliens. She is in Voyage of the Rock Aliens, which is fucking brilliant. She's in a couple of things. Does she turn up in Hairspray? Or something like that as well. She she's might in, be in Earth Girls Aren't Easy or something. Yeah, she's in a few sure. like random things. And she's pretty cool. And anyway, we somehow Santa Claus Conquers the Martians turned up on my list of things to watch. Um, so I forced us to watch it. And it was fucking like not even a film. It was really like, bad. Like it was really bad. But I think it was because um, it's old. It was an attempt at sci-fi. But also a Christmas movie. <laughs> um, it makes no sense whatsoever. I really don't remember anything, anything good about it. There wasn't anything um, good about it. I think it's got a, a solid 2.7 on IMDb. Yeah, there's a... There's a um, but I think science, everyone should watch Science it. fiction to get a 3,000 on it, which tells you probably how bad yeah. it is. Yeah, really. uh, we'll, we'll get to the worst uh, Christmas film because we watched it for this podcast. So hold your breath. Who would win in a fight between all of the members of Toxic What's It? <laughs> Fuck's uh, sake. Oh, yeah, you've Mark got an Tanner. opinion on this. Yeah? Yeah. I would say that we're all very chilled out people and we would never fight. We're not fighters, we're lovers. But, but if it came down to it, we'd be between. Uh, oh, no, when Daniel Fanning's good at yeah, Kung Fu. He's got karate. karate. So he would probably win. Kathy for sure is just sitting down and drinking wine. Well, I think, <laughs> to be honest, in fairness, I think we would all probably just sit down and chill out. So yeah, let's fair. say me. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nirvana, the greatest band ever? Oh, Question Lord. Mark? That's... This could be a no. big one. Um, oh, all right. <laughs> Go on, opinion. To be honest, um, Nirvana is a band that I've never bothered to even take much of an interest in. And that's I think it's purely because of the age I was born. But I just never really took like the mega... like I never went and listened to their albums. I never went and listened to everything that they did to get a full opinion of them. I just mm. decided... You know what? Everyone thinks they're good, so I'm not going to listen to them. Which is a stupid thing to have done. Um, so I can only say the music that I've heard of them that, um, that I like. But 
whether they were like massively influential I don't know because I feel like loads of people around there especially all of the like documentaries and bands I've learned about from around that time I feel like well there was a lot of people doing that I think that they were they did it particularly well yeah. and I think that probably they were they were very influential but they were more influenced so like so you know they were so influenced by so many of the yeah. bands that I know that you love yeah from that period before then that I think probably if you just if if it was possible to hear them completely out of context yeah. I think you would probably really like them I was 11 years old when Nevermind came out so it was a yeah. bit before me but definitely like they were massive mm. when I was first getting into music and I had one of those stupid things with my brother where if he liked a band I couldn't really like them and yeah. vice versa and they were one of his bands so most know. of those grunge bands were one of his bands was Bon Jovi yours no it was his Oh. Yeah, yeah, no, I hated Bon Jovi. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Kiss was mine, Bon Jovi Oh, Kiss was, was yours, yeah, fair. Um, Blind, Melon. Blind Melon was mine. He got Skid Row, didn't he? He got Skid Row, oh. too. And Nirvana was his. He got Pearl Jam, I got Bow Religion. So there's, you know, there's some, uh, yeah, sometimes okay. I won, sometimes I lost. But point being that I think looking back and, like, listening to their stuff now where it's not, where it's not like, so everywhere. yeah. I can really appreciate them, yeah. I think. What I would say is even when they were massive, because I liken them to Green Day in as much as Nirvana got massive and broke grunge to everyone and created the, you know, grunge wasn't really even a thing. Like that no, music never, scene that music thing, scene was happening, but, yeah. but it, yeah, then everyone labelled it a thing. And Green Day broke pop punk to the, or that era of pop punk to the world. Whereas I feel like Nirvana were more gracious and reflected on their peers way better. Oh, that's unfair. Green Day really reflected on their peers. Maybe I'm speaking from a... Like, I think they both did. I think both of those... I think they're both examples of bands that really did that. And Nirvana really don't have an opportunity to do that anymore. Whereas Green Green Day have done a really bad job. When Green Day played their first stadium shows, they took Pansy Division with them. Oh, really? Oh, fair. Sorry, I take it back. And the Riverdales and stuff like that. I absolutely take it back then. I'm just speaking more of a modern day Green Day are just... Yeah, well, it's different, isn't it? They've They've really lost where they came from. And Nirvana didn't ever get the chance to lose where they came from, although Dave Grohl's doing a really good job of it. But... Yeah. yeah, I would say Nirvana did a really good job of championing the places and the people that they came from. I do think it was different as well because a lot of the things that they were championing became popular themselves. Yeah. It was such a weird like explosion. And I think there is something really special about that time, no matter what you think of the bands or the style of music that was going on, where... and and. We sort of talked about this on the last episode, really. I'm not necessarily saying it's worse now or anything like that. It's not like, oh, it was so much better back then. But it was such an unusual time where a band like Nirvana could become the biggest band in the world. Yeah. And where people that sounded like them, even if they were nowhere near as well-known, were selling, like, a million copies of their album. Yeah. And they're bands that you would never know about now and stuff. So it was a really interesting time where the mainstream was hungry for something that was just like, here's a real band from a yeah. real place who happened to just be really good. Yeah. And now they're the biggest band in the world. And I feel like those times have, in a way, completely disappeared. Yeah. And in a way, that's all we've got now. Because no one's really a mate. No one's selling 10 million copies of their well, album. Yeah. So everyone's getting big in the same kind of gr- ground roots way. Yeah. And you so can get different. big via not... so many different routes now. If you're like savvy at being online, then hmm. you're going to find an audience that love you and you're going to be good. But anyway, in answer to the question, I would say no, but I'm closer to agreeing with it than Siobhan is. 
Fair enough, but I would say that's only because of my own ignorance. You should definitely... We should probably do an yeah. episode about Nirvana. Maybe we should. I've got two because I'm going to whiz through the first one. I bananas. think we're going to have to speed up now. Oh, bananas. Fuck bananas. I hate them. I'm pretty... I don't know... I think I know who that was. Yeah. I like <laughs> bananas. That's fine. Bananas are just like vomit in a tube <laughs> that people eat and I don't know why they eat. I spent years not liking bananas. I like them now and I like even more that you don't like them. This is food related. Is uh, Whether cauliflower is traditional... Oh, yeah, so you I don't, don't understand, understand this, this at no. all, do you? It's Peep Show. I can't... Dave doesn't like Peep Show. It makes me just really sad that you don't like Peep Show, because no, I love we've it. Had, so we talked about this on the podcast yeah, before. I don't like hate Peep Show. I just think it's boring. There's a beautiful... <laughs> and and for, all, for everything about it that's funny, there's way more things about it that I just are not enjoyable. Oh, I that's love it. it. Well, one of the best uh, Peep Show episodes ever is the Christmas episode, where it's just beautiful. Mark and his dad are really passive-aggressive to each other, and they're right. really, like, it's patriarchal, and it's about being a man, and they didn't know he had a girlfriend, and he's brought his girlfriend along and hasn't really said that he's had Mark's his girlfriend. Mark is uh, David. Weird-looking one. Thingy's character. Jesus Christ, I can't remember his name, but yeah, that one. Yeah. Um, tubby one, not the skinny the t- one. The tubby one, not the skinny one. Yeah. And he's got a dad who's really like traditional and well off and proper. And uh, he's refusing to acknowledge that Dobby is his girlfriend because she's a bit common. And so she's just his friend who's turned up. And it's all a bit like... Meh, 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 meh. What is with the cauliflower? Well, his dad doesn't <laughs> believe that cauliflower belongs on a Christmas dinner. Oh. And Mark is like, I'm cooking Christmas dinner, Dad, and you're going to have to fucking deal with it. And I think cauliflower is traditional. And they have this argument. And it's funny if you care about people. I, I mean, He shreds some ham I, at one point in the shredder that his dad buys him for Christmas. And it's really nice. I mean, that's metaphorically quite nice. but yeah. um, I think... I was speaking like sorry, no offense, but you and your dad's relationship. Oh. I feel like you would. It is this peep show episode to a fucking T. Offense so you, taken. Yeah, no, I don't care. We're about to spend <laughs> Christmas Day with your family, and I need you to watch this episode before we go there to fully appreciate what it feels like but to be in a room with you. In, and your dad. <laughs> in in reflection of the actual question that was asked. Yes, cauliflower. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah. I've come round to cauliflower. Wasn't a fan. Right, we've Dave got loves next one. We've got to be really quick. We've only got a couple yep. left. Go, go, go. Guar. We're going to do an episode on guar. We're definitely going to do an episode <laughs> on guar. I feel like we should probably not just... We, guar are fucking amazing. I don't know what else to say, really. Oh, we went gosh. to see him live in LA just before best COVID. Ever. And it was one of the best gigs I've ever been to in my life. If not, maybe the best gig I've ever been to in my life. And just really quickly... Guara band who've been going for years, they are they're like, aliens from another yeah. planet. They yeah. come to enslave the human race. They wear prosthetic, massive outfits and ornaments upon themselves. So but they look like monsters. But they're also hilarious. Oh, they're fucking brilliant. Uh, but they're also kind of like ingenious. But you do have to like peel away a lot of layers to get the ingeniousness. Their singer Odris Arungus died in real life, and ever since then, Mike Bishop who was the original bass player, but in the 80s and 90s was in a band called Capone, who were one of the greatest bands of all time. He has come back and now he sings for them again. Uh, he's one of my ultimate heroes of all time ever. I don't know exactly whether Guar fans really like the fact that they've carried on or anything. I mean, I don't think there's really a problem with it because obviously he was one of the original people anyway. Yeah. But we saw them with him. He's got lovely lots of udders that squirt milk at the audience. Well, his udders are penises. Oh, yes, they are. And um, 
He's wonderful. He is beautiful. Guara wonderful. Yeah, There's wonderful. a brilliant book about them. We'll do an episode about them. Yeah. Probably quite soon. We owe so much more to Guar. Final question. Why is Leeds your favourite city? <laughs> uh, is it? Um, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Uh, be careful. I know. Because I think I know where this is. I feel like the Leeds contingent are angry. <laughs> and when I say contingent, I mean there's one, there's one female who will... Hurt us if we, don't, <laughs> if we don't say Leeds is really good. I am. Um, I love Leeds. I do love now, Leeds actually. Um, but no. I have to say, well, so when <laughs> I was when I very first started, like, actually, oh, here we go. Here's an interesting right. When I very first started getting <laughs> into like go. punk and stuff, like UK DIY punk, Leeds had an incredible scene. It was mostly emo. This brings in so many things that we've talked about. This is a lovely way of finishing. Look at this. So mostly it had a really cool emo scene. And uh, I was umming and ahhing about what song I was going to do for our 90s one. But now this has done it. I'm going to play a song from the lead six scene from like 1995 or six or something. So we'll get to that. But every gig, when I started gigging around with bands and stuff, every gig I ever played in Leeds was always terrible. And we always used to get lost on the one-way systems really badly, like so that it was memorable. <laughs> but I used to dread going to Leeds because we would just definitely get lost. And in Venice, this was probably pre. This was pre like Google Maps. Oh gosh! Like, in so Venice, we are literally when, using like a paper map. When I drove to Leeds with uh, Mr. Mark Tanner from your band, he did some horrible driving <laughs> on the way up. But like we cut across, like we'd be on the outside lane by three. He'd be like, "Yeah, cool," and just cut across all of them because of this stupid one-way system we didn't really understand. Yeah. So it was it was pretty shit. But so it is a bit of a nightmare. But then I I had a bunch of friends in Leeds like a bit later on. And so I ended up going there quite a lot. And I kind of got into it. Dead anyways, played there a few times and those gigs were all right. And then every time I've come with Haste, which actually hasn't been that many. It's only been two, I think. And then we've gone up there for a festival or two. Mm. And uh, since then, and we, we record regularly up there at the Organ Works studio, Woo-woo. which uh, if you're in a band, you should definitely record at. Yeah. And um, I love it now. I think it's brilliant. I don't think I ever hated it. I don't know. What was the question? Why is Leeds your favourite city? Uh, because I don't get lost there anymore. Hey. Why is Leeds oh, your favourite city? Because I don't get lost there anymore. Comeback Clid's first gig, it was awful. Oh, um, yeah, there you go. But the people of Leeds are very nice. I really like Wharf Chambers, which is pretty much the only place in Leeds I've ever been to, other than Bundabust. Bundabust is also very nice. Uh, yeah, I have no complaints. Leeds has always been really kind to me, and I enjoy it very much. I will say that the last time Haste went there to record, I didn't go with them um, because we were away. And they were just recording music, and we still haven't finished that. So we're going up soon. We were supposed to have already done it, but we haven't yet. Anyway, the rest of the band bought a takeaway, which was basically a bucket of chips covered in <laughs> vegan slop. Oh. And I could tell. Oh, is that from Vegan Punks? I have no idea. I can tell exactly why they bought it, but these things were like the size of a pizza, like a, like a square pizza, but thick with chips and yeah. covered in just like muck. Oh, it just looked like gout on a tray. We, gout on a tray, it probably was. We had frazzle fries last time I went for Nice Pie Fest. It's definitely uh, a bit of a king place for vegan food, so or vegan, vegan junk shit. I love it. What? Yes, Leeds, you're very good. The Espresso Martini shop oh, Wolf Chambers Wolf is Chambers a wonderful place. Alone yeah. will bring me back. And Nice Pie, and Nice Pie Race, and Pie Race. Wonderful things to go to so Leeds. So those for. are all the reasons Pretty why much Leeds they are is the our... only two times I've ever been to Leeds. So yes, <laughs> actually, do you know what city Leeds yeah. could be my favourite city? Because it, it's not as good as Hastings. Sorry, guys, but Hastings isn't a city. 
I prefer it to London, definitely. Mm. Now, although I feel like a traitor saying that. Mm. Oh, hello. Today. We'll get there. We like some others as well. Yeah. I don't know. We'll get <laughs> whatever, there. Listener, dear listener, whatever city you are in, that's our favourite city. Oh. Now, how was that <laughs> for a Christmas party? You I feel like this is. We, we, well, we, we've had that. I've drank loads of Prosecco and eaten a hell of a lot of sausage rolls. Oh, yeah. We didn't even talk about all the food we were eating. Anyway, we've eaten some food. We're going um, <laughs> we're gonna to play some more music now. Woo-woo! Uh, this is a band called Lizard Hips. Hey. It's from their Aquatic Ruin EP. Uh, which has come out on CD. You can get it via a zine called the Screever Zine. Oh, I keep seeing this. Yeah, it's fucking amazing zine, which you should definitely check out. Just go and look it up online. Boop, boop. Screever. Um, Screever. Screever. S-C-R-E-V-E-R. Yeah, with you. It's a wonderful zine. I actually did a interview in the last Oh, yes, I read one. it, yeah. And uh, we talk a little bit about Breakfast Bumps podcast. Oh, Sorry, I can't even say this anymore. We talk a bit about you had? Breakfast Punks podcast. So, this yeah. is Lizard Hips Woo! with their song Paint by Numbers. Merry Christmas. <laughs> About others 
pictures up. Rolling. Rolling. This is trash. This is sweet, sweet trash. Avoid thinking. Keep repeating. I love what I see. Leave the auditorium. It is only a So this week's uh, Christmassy movie It's Christmas! It's Santa with Muscles <laughs> It's Christmas! <laughs> sake, it's Santa with Muscles from 1996 In the season of Santa there are two kinds of people the naughty and the nice I've got 50 bucks for the first elf that brings me Santa Claus Hulk Hogan is Blake Thorne and he's definitely now, this confused bad boy is Santa, like you've never seen him before. A bearded basher of bad guys. A hero with a silly hat. A Robin Hood in red. And he's got three days to foil a band of evil scientists. Assemble the team. They're taking the orphanage. Wait up, Santa hears about this. He'll kick your butt to New Year's. Hulk Hogan is Santa with muscles. Blake Thorne is a conceited, self-made millionaire who sells bodybuilding supplements and equipment. One day, while recklessly playing paintball, he is targeted by police. He's chased to a shopping mall where he hides by putting on a Santa costume, slides down the garbage chute to escape the police and bangs his head, resulting in amnesia. Mistaken by Lenny as the mall Santa, Blake begins to think he really is Santa Claus. Meanwhile, the evil scientist Edna Frost tries to take over an orphanage in order to gain access to the magical crystals underneath it and dispatches his henchmen to destroy it. However, Blake, after discovering that being Santa has made him a better person and that Frost wants to destroy the very same orphanage he grew up in, he manages to escape and rescue the children. Frost and his henchmen are arrested, but the orphanage... Sorry, sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Frost and his henchmen are arrested, but the orphanage is destroyed due to the overload of crystals, so Blake opens his mansion as a new home for the orphans. This attaches oh. an awful lot of plot to a film that I didn't believe had one. No, I mean, <laughs> one of those things more or less happened. It did happen, fair enough. But oh, Actually, Jesus. the plot isn't the problem. I mean, the plot is awful, <laughs> but um, there's so many more issues with this film other than how the story... Not what the story is. How it's told is bad, but the story itself is okay. No, well, no everything's <laughs> I mean, it definitely isn't. Um, this film is fucking dreadful. It's quite awful. I think, oh, in fairness, let's let's just give it a little bit of uh, sort of proviso. Yeah. I do think that this is a children's film. It's a thousand percent a children's film. Yeah. Yeah, a thousand percent. Um, and so it's really not aimed at us in any way. I do think it's a bit strange because it seems extremely low rent. I mean, I don't know exactly what the budget was, but there's certain things can, about it that are like extraordinary. You know, I can tell you what the budget was. It was two hundred thousand dollars, and it was released in the cinema for two weeks, and so then it was that's straight else. mental. Because what I was trying to work out was 1996. Yeah, Hulk Hogan definitely isn't at the peak of his career, but he has a weird. Sorry, we're going to talk about wrestling quickly again. Yeah, he was like obviously in the 80s and through to the, the early thing. 90s, he was the. Not and not only in wrestling, but he was like a megastar. Yeah, and then he had a few sort of less popular years. Yeah, he joined WCW and but the other But he was promotion. still the big deal. With well, then, WCW. well, then in WCW, he then like turned heel, and then he became one of the biggest wrestlers in the world again. But he probably, yeah. whilst he was still known because he'd been famous before, he probably wasn't like the megastar that he once was in a way. 
Yeah. He could, he could, and, and then, of course, he went on to have later things well, like his fucking Well, other wrestlers TV show turn stuff. up at this point, isn't it? So yeah. He's not, like, at one point, he was the... He there was, was only four wrestlers, or, pretty yeah, much, yeah. and he was one of them. Um, and so I'm just trying to... In 1996, it was like... It would have been a dip in his popularity, but I feel like he would have still been fucking massive. Like, yeah. so well-known. So a $200,000 budget just sounds mental. I would have thought he wouldn't have got out of bed himself I'm for less than sure 200000 I'm fairly sure that's 000. what it was. It wasn't a particularly, like, huge... Oh no, that's no. what it. That's what it. That's that what, what it earned. All oh, right, okay. Um, I think it was probably more. Than... It may have cost more to. <laughs> may have cost more to make. I don't know how much it cost to make, but that's what it earned. The weird thing about it is that I would think that he was quite expensive, and I suppose maybe you could argue that they blew all the budget on him and just thought his name would sell the carry film. it. Yeah, and so therefore they didn't have to put in yeah, any, maybe. anything extra. But like just shit like the um, opening credits are so shit. I mean, they look like someone's made a joke. When <laughs> when Santa with muscles comes up on the screen, it looks like you, someone's made it on like a really bad 1996 version of Microsoft Paint. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't look proper. And that weird girl talking over like, Hi Santa, please come and see me. We're yeah. in an orphanage. I mean, it is awful. I mean, that girl, I mean, we should probably talk about her. She sings a song at some point, uh, Angel Baby, which I think is like a Do you know what? bit I, of a like crooner. Um... Should we listen? To, should we just listen to it? Because yeah. it's one of the most horrible things in the film. So the children, all of the children in this film are fucking horrible. Yeah. And at one well, point... Mila Kunis isn't. I mean, she is. But yeah, true. at one point, Hulk Hogan walks into a church <laughs> where a small child, it's who's singing. one of the grottiest little children you'll ever see is singing this song and he sits down next to her and joins in. So let's have just a quick listen to yeah, that. Let's do it. Let's try that song again. Do you know it? Start me off. I'll always remember the time I spent with you. November, December, April, May and June. You are my angel baby. You're so fine, angel baby. <laughs> so that is just fucking disgusting. That's fucking grim. It's just like when he comes in, he's like, oh, I know this song. And you're like, she's like, I know it's not really appropriate for here. And I'm like, it's not appropriate for a child to be singing <laughs> Angel Baby or whatever the fuck you were singing. That is very weird. It's, uh, it's pretty fucking disgusting. So what are your least favourite things about this? I won't ask for your favourites because I know uh, there aren't any. In fairness, <laughs> there were loads of like really misjudged horrendous quotes in this that I think are trying to be like I don't know trying to be out there but they're just like poo-pooing on like any kind of societal change at that time for example there's a time where they go to the orphanage and it's run by a woman and the woman's like hey yeah yeah no I run this place my name's Leslie la 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 and then a man turns up and goes she may say she runs it but it's me that does all the work and I'm like cool so things are real like pro women at this point in the world um, I mean I think you've read into that quite I mean, a lot Only no I know but it's just I like that... she may think she runs this place but I do all the hard work I'm like, yeah. cool, cool I mean keeping cool. in mind that there's there's just been a scene where that same man was standing in the middle of the road for no reason yeah. Someone was driving a truck at him at apparently like 100 miles an hour and Hulk Hogan grabbed hold of the truck by a chain by and a chain him. and just holds it so it doesn't hit him. 
But then let's go of it and they get away. And he's like, oh, God damn, they got away. And I'm like, why did you let go, you fucking idiot? <laughs> There's a bit where, and this is probably the most wonderful uh, line, and I do think it's beautiful, where there's an evil doctor who's talking to the uh, main woman from the home and he's trying to, like, seduce her while the children are in the background uh, sneaking around and trying to cause him some mischief. And he goes, oh, Leslie, you certainly are a different person when you're away from those little homeless losers, <laughs> <laughs> which is the orphans. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my Lord. Um, I mean, the use of orphans in inverted commas Well, there's in only film, three of them only, in this yeah, home. It's very confusing about that, but I just more mean, like, it's everything is an exact, like, attempt to just sort of, without any subtlety, just grab at your heartstrings. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just sort of like, right, we, we need to have some kids in this one because it's a kid film. Let's make them orphans. Yeah. Right, we need to, you know, yeah, we need to, we need a, we need a sort of goodie in this film. Let's find the biggest, muscliest man yeah. that we can. There's loads of nonsense. Uh, there's a bit where they're looking for Santa Claus in the first instance in the mall. And they go, any word on Mr. Claus? And go, no, I got a midget in a clown suit. <laughs> <laughs> That's not okay. <laughs> ah, but they never follow through with that. They do, no. Yeah, never, you, you never you get like, a midget in a clown suit. <laughs> You're on the edge of your seat. <laughs> I love it. You're going to get a lump of coal for Christmas. And uh, Hulk Hogan goes, how about two lumps? And then starts punching this child in the face. <laughs> so that's weird. I don't remember him punching <laughs> It's the youth, he's not a child, that no, teenager no. In, the, in, the, in the shopping centre. Do you mean the punks? The punks! They're not teenagers, they're like 40-year-old men, first of all. But <laughs> yeah, that, uh, that's one of the... They do just... The two punks turn up. One of them's yeah. wearing a dare shirt, yeah. and one of them's wearing a sort of generic shirt that just what? says anarchy on it. It was anarchy it doesn't something. Even, yeah, yeah, it says something like anarchy bad. international yeah. or something. Bad. And they're, so they're sort of punks, and yeah, they just get beaten up because they're trying to steal charity money. I yeah. mean, again, it's that thing of like, right, what can we? We want some bad guys that aren't really going to have a part. Yeah. What's oh. the most obvious thing we can get Beautiful them to do that's like charity. the worst possible thing? How about you? What did you think of this lovely film? Favourite I think Hulk Hogan, for someone who presumably had quite a lot of charisma to have become as big of a star as he yeah. doesn't have any charisma by 1996. No. So I don't really know what's happened with him. His line delivery is a little bit like he's never spoken words before <laughs> and he's hearing them all for the first time it's really weird like it's just, I, it, I wonder if it's just that he hadn't learned the script and so he was getting fed the lines and then just having to say them immediately and, and not having any context for them but to be in fairness it's not just him most people in this film provide those the lines a little bit like that really but- because Hulk Hogan, like, the one thing about him was, the reason he was a good wrestler is not just because he was muscly and tanned and, like, looked like one, but, like, he was a good talker. And I've seen him talk, and I've never thought he sounded stilted or ridiculous. Like, for yeah. all the shit that wrestlers do in their, like, promos, I never thought his was, like, the most rehearsed or the most ridiculous. I always thought his was pretty authentically ridiculous. But <clears> this was the first time I've ever seen him, like, outrightly look like he had no idea what he was about to say. But I suppose his promos in wrestling, as I remember, I mean, none of them were very new ones. They were all just sort of like, I'm going to beat you up! Yeah, you know, like, true. So I, I don't necessarily... I suppose it is playing a different role, like playing a playing the lead good guy in a children's movie. I suppose he wasn't playing himself as such. He also, and this isn't me trying to, like, say, oh, he hasn't done many, but, like, was this his first? No, He's no. done a few films. Yeah, he's done a bunch. But no, has he Suburban done Commander this? was definitely before that. Oh, okay. So, uh, so, and um, No Holds Barred, oh, that was that made at, this? like, the height of his Oh, fame. then fair enough, then. No excuse, Holds. So, no, I mean, there. although he's really bad in No Holds sh- Barred, but yeah. then that was definitely his first time of, like, trying to act or anything. But yeah, so he's he's really dreadful in it. But 
But I don't know. I mean, everything. There is something about this film which is completely fitting in. You know what we were talking about with Gremlins. Yeah. I'm not comparing the two in any way, but there is something about this film where nothing. It does try and do the same thing, where there is no, absolutely no interest in reality with yeah. this film whatsoever. But that allows um, this film to get away with a bit more, I think. Yeah, I think you're probably it, it right. Being shit. If I described certain things in this film, yeah. I think I would think to myself, oh, I'd probably quite like that. So, like, for example, the bad guy who is played by Ed Begley Jr., mm-hmm. who's fucking amazing. He's like a character actor who probably, if you saw a picture of him, you'd know who he was. But he's fucking greatest part. He's almost the same part as this, except way better, in a film called Get Crazy, which is really cool. And we'll probably do on on the podcast at some point. He's brilliant, but he gets this like trio of sort of just generic baddies. <laughs> they're scientists. Who, who, yeah, but they're all scientists, and, and like one of them's called the Canadian chemist. <laughs> I'm not quite sure, but then what he does is he's just got like fart powder. He gets methane gas. Yeah, that he sprays into people. But it's face. not called methane gas. It's no, called something like smelly gas. They call it methane gas at the beginning, but <laughs> then they, I think later on, it's just like yeah, he smells bad. He's one of the first scenes that he has. They've got this guy turned upside down, like hanging from his feet, and they try. They're sort of torturing him and trying to get him. And Ed Begley Jr. doesn't leave his house, so he talks to everybody through a TV. Which again, I can't. <laughs> Which has like. no camera or microphone. Yeah, no, it doesn't work. But <laughs> the idea of that to me is quite cool. But the Canadian chemist, although he's like a specialist in fart powder, he's basically <laughs> just smacking this man on the bottom, <laughs> yeah. trying to get like telling him to <laughs> do whatever it is that they're trying to say. There's a doctor who's just like a medical doctor with a lab coat on. And he is really good at Kung Fu. But while he's doing Kung Fu, he's got his dictaphone on and he's reading into the dictaphone saying like, you know, patient's face really hurts. And then he kicks him in the face. (laughs) And then like, so things like that, like the idea of them sounds pretty good. (laughs) But they're just done so badly that I can't really get anything out of them whatsoever. Brutus the Barber Beefcake shows up in the part of Sumo Lab Assistant. Sumo Lab Assistant. I saw that that was his character's name in this. And I thought, what on earth is that going to look like? And it really is just, he's got a lab coat on, and they've sort of given him a somewhat racist sumo wrestler-ish beard, Beard and hair. He's got that little ponytail. Yeah. But he's just Brutus the Barber Beefcake, who... Is another 80s wrestler who's like Hulk Hogan's best mate and famously only ever got jobs because Hulk Hogan got him jobs. And how Hulk Hogan got this job is beyond us. Who knows? Well, he got it because he was the biggest thing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, there's one really strange bit where um, Hulk Hogan says to the woman, like, they're going to go and do the washing up. <laughs> what? And he's, no, she says to him, I'll wash you dry. Like, oh, yeah. I'll wash the plates, you dry the plates. Yeah. But they. When she says it, she completely removes a comma. So it just says, I'll wash you dry. She just goes, I'll wash you dry. (laughs) (laughs) And it's really weird. Because there's kids around and stuff. It's it's a really strange... I'll I'll wash you dry. It's a really strange bit. There's a good bit where he's being Santa in the mall. And a kid sits on his lap. And the idea is that obviously he's got no idea how to be Santa. Yeah. Because he's a bit confused. And so he's trying to suggest different presents (laughs) for the child. And he says, golf ball, pocket knife. Electric razor, <laughs> and it's just like a li- just like a little girl. So I really, I really like that. They were. Um, I mean, when I say really like it, I hate this film. So well, would much. you would you like to hear what Scott the Foy Wonder Foy thinks of this film? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, go on. He sounds like a cunt, doesn't he? <laughs> 
Jesus Christ, you would pretty much have to be anally violated with a garden weasel or be given a colonoscopy by Edward Scissorhands to come up with something more painful than experiencing this abomination. <laughs> um, harsh, but almost uh, very fair. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not really going <laughs> to I mean, I'm not going to defend it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is a horrendous movie to have watched. Um, so, uh, one really, just one very last point that I think is uh, weird about this film yeah. is that, well, I mean, there's a lot of weird things about this. The orphanage that he goes to, which is obviously like he's <laughs> yeah, trying to save and like that's the whole thing, reason of the story. Yeah. There's only three kids in this orphanage and they say at the start, oh, all the other ones have, been, have already been rehomed. Yeah. And I think the idea of that is it's like a really good orphanage and so he deserves, you know, he also, deserves the excuse, to be I think it's I think it's a story writing arc for why there's no child actors well, in the room. You would think that, except <laughs> that by the end of the film, so the orphanage gets blown up and, every, and everyone saves the day and then they all move into this massive mansion. And then the last scene is like, yeah, they show the orphanage and there's just hundreds of kids and it's as if... All of these children have lost their... It's not funny. All of these children have just lost their parents overnight. And this orphanage has gone from... They only need three beds. To now they've got fucking hundreds of (laughs) kids without parents. And it's like... It's as if it's a celebration and they're all laughing. And they're all doing proper, like, that He-Man thing. At the end of He-Man where he sort of says, like, Hey kids, look after the environment. And if you don't, you're going to sink in mud. And then they all, like, laugh and hold (gasps) the laugh. They do like five of them at the end of this film where Hulk Hogan's just saying different things and then they all laugh really unbelievably. It's very strange. It is fucking weird. But yeah, so this film makes loads of children orphans. That's how bad it is. Loads of orphans. (laughs) What score are you going to give it? Oh, well, it's a 2.6 on IMDb. And in fairness. That's very generous. It is very generous, but it's more. I found that film easier to watch than some films we've watched Mm. that I've rated. I can't remember what I rated Neil Breen. I definitely don't know what I rated Dick Shark. Um, (laughs) Both are better than this, I think. I think this is a two. All right. I'm going two out of ten because, annoyingly, I watched it and I didn't waver from watching it. Like, it was actually. it, (laughs) It almost held my attention the entire time, which is weird. So, yeah, I'm going to give it a two out of ten. It wasn't the worst. I'm going to give it a three, <gasps> but what? only because, hold off, I'm giving the film a one and I'm giving Ed Begley Jr. a two oh, just fair. on his own. Not because he's particularly good in this, you just because like I love him, him a lot. So oh, fair enough. So we're going to do a song from the 90s. Woo-woo. I'm going to go back to what I was talking about before about Leeds being our favourite city. Yeah. Because in the 90s there were so many amazing bands um, that came out of Leeds. A lot of pop punk stuff that was really cool, but also a lot of like late 90s emo stuff that came out. This is uh, some of that. It's a band called Tribute. They were not really a full-time like band, really. They only released a few songs here and there, but they were mostly members of a band called Bob Tilton, who were also fucking brilliant. Bob and, Tilton? Yeah. That's a great name of a band. Yeah, and they much more remembered. I think a lot of people know of Bob Tilton. But this was like sort of a side project with basically, I think, just a different singer, and maybe there was a couple of different people. I'm not sure. This is from a split, which is one of my favourite seven inches of all time. Uh, which is a split with them and a band called Beacon. And the Beacon songs on there are really good as well. It came out on a record label called Spread Records that I used to buy loads of records from. They actually themselves only released a few things, but they used to do an amazing distro that I used to buy shitloads of stuff from. And um, yeah, this is just such a fucking amazing song, such a beautiful song. It's not very Christmassy. It's quite sad. I don't really care. This is tribute with Hitherto.
We've come to the end of our festive edition of Breakfast Punks. Uh, thanks for sitting in with us on this kind of drunk sausage roll wine fueled nonsense that we've brought to you this week. I hope you've all also <laughs> been drinking and therefore are, by the time we got to... Somewhat enjoying this. <laughs> Dave's got the wine giggles, so we're going well. I hope you've enjoyed some of this, all of this, or I don't know. I hope you go and watch Santa with muscles at the very... Oh, <laughs> I hope you've had a nice time. Um, please follow us on Instagram. Dave's got the wine out. He said I was drunk, but look at him. <laughs> look at him playing with that laptop. Oh. Um, do follow us on Instagram, uh, Breakfast Punks Podcast. Do follow us uh, on the YouTube, <laughs> whatever we're called on that, Breakfast Punks uh, or Breakfast Punks Podcast on the YouTubes. This is um, the end of our first year. We've done a full year of podcasts. This is a full year now, isn't it? Our next episode will be an anniversary. It will. And on that, we're going to do almost exactly what we did last time, I think. We're going to review... The year. The year. As best we can. I mean, we thought we'd have more to talk about, but it turns out we're in various lockdowns all of this year as well. Well, fuck, <laughs> we might actually be in a lockdown by then as well, yeah. won't we? Yeah. Um, it's, lo- it's looking, it's looking mm-hmm. rather likely that we're all going to be going back into lockdown exactly. again. So uh, last time, because more or less that exact thing had happened, we tried to do a podcast about all the positive things that had happened yeah. in the year before. So we're going to attempt to do the same for this year. Yeah, I think we fucking will and we'll succeed. I'm sure there's tons of nice things to talk about. I have no doubt. I can't wait to find out about them. But I do hope that everybody out there has a lovely Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas all. Um, I think that this is going to go up online... Day on, like the day Eve. before Christmas Eve, so chances are no one's listening to it before Christmas. So I hope you had Merry a Boxing nice day. Christmas. Happy Boxing Day. I Merry hope, New Year. I hope you ate loads and loads of crisps, loads of roast potatoes, oh, drank roast loads of nice, whatever eat. your favourite drink is. I hope you didn't have any nog, because I don't know what people are doing with this nog business now. Grog, <laughs> fair. Grog, fine, no. nog. Don't have any creamy alcohols. No. Advocate, have you heard of that? Is that what ad- I think I, I might know. be is in now? I've ne- I haven't drunk a uh, creamy alcohol since I was sixteen. Throwing up a man on the bus. Yeah, yeah. Once, yeah. once a bottle of Bailey's comes back up the other way, I smoked <laughs> crack in the park and then <laughs> drank a bottle of Bailey's. And then I hope your mum's not listening to and this. Then it all came- no, it's we're in the later stages. No one's listening to this. <laughs> and then. Um, and then I vomited on the 61 bus on the way home and I think it hit an old man, but I'm not sure because I'd smoked loads of crack, so I didn't really know. Oh, 16-year-old <laughs> David was a nightmare. <laughs> He's much more subtle now with his red wine and vegan sausage rolls. <laughs> Just throws up on the cat. Oh, well, I have never thrown up on the cat. In fairness, you have never thrown up on the cat. Apologies. I really it's Christmas! All right, all right. Well, oh, it's doing it again. I didn't want it to. Well, to end and a sneak preview into next week's episode, I guess one of my favourite things that I found in twenty twenty one, and they've existed long before this, is the band Cheek Face, mm-hmm. and that's who we're going to end with this episode. Um, well, for a very special reason. Yeah, well, two reasons. They we we played them early in our podcast uh, history. Uh, I can't remember what episode, and and they're very good. And then recently, they have released um, some Christmas versions of their songs. (laughs) And I say it as if they've really done an awful lot to their songs. (laughs) But 
from what, and I'm sure they won't mind me saying, I think they've just put some Christmas bells over the top of two of their songs. <laughs> they definitely And have they sped up one of them so they sound like the Chickmunks. Um, the Chickmunks? The Chickmunks, the Chickmunks. That's a riot girl band. Hey, yeah. Oh my God, the Chickmunks. That's oh fucking God, good, I'm on it, I'm on it. <laughs> so they had an album called Emphatically No, and for Christmas they've done three songs and named it Emphatically Noel. <laughs> it's on Bandcamp, if, and it's only on Bandcamp until the 26th of December, so you may have already missed it if you're listening oh, yeah. to this late. But... You're not going to miss this one because we're playing Crying Back, the Christmas edition, on this podcast now for you. So, <laughs> <laughs> Is that how we're finishing? No, that's not how we're finishing. Oh, you got more. So that's goodbye from us. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. This is Cheek Face Crying Back. Good you pointing at me. No, it was then you say, Hello, and welcome to Christmas.